Yeah. Three, two, one, go! What's up, everybody? This is episode 118 of Cooldown Time. This is a weekly show where two longtime friends cool down and talk about video games. I am your graphically impressive host of the show, Marco, and joining me is the technical mess of the show, Pablo. And Pablo, <laughs> I'm doing great. Thanks for asking. So glad you asked that question uh, at the start of the show to know how I'm doing. Hello? Hey, man. What's oh, up? no, 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 no. Don't act like you were late. Just got back on here. Uh, man, it was a Yo, pretty you... unexciting week. Uh, what happened? No, you got issues is what happened. See, this is what happens when you don't get respected by your friends. You and your little, you and your little, little punk-ass friends on the side uh, think it's funny to not care about how I'm doing at the start of the show. So I'm just gonna I'm just gonna go ahead and, and I'm not even gonna waste time hoping you're gonna ask me. I'm just gonna get right to how I'm doing first. Uh, In this week's episode, not a, not oh. not this week's episode. Oh, so we, we're not there yet, <laughs> man. I'm such a spaced out. I'm here to tell kinda... you. So let, let me tell you something. All right, tell me. What's I'm up? I'm having a bit of a rough week. All right, number oh, one no. because of your disrespect. Number one because Wait, of I'm... that. Number two because. I don't know if you've ever had one of these weeks before. You have one of these weeks where you can't decide whether you're getting sick or you're not getting sick. When you just feel... Is that up to you? I don't know. (laughs) I don't know. I don't know how my my body works. Um, (laughs) But I've been having one of those weeks where it's like, I feel off, but I can't tell whether I'm about to get Ebola or like, oh my gosh. like a head cold or something like that. But I'm I'm good. Yeah. I feel actually I feel pretty good today, so I'm not I'm not gonna be uh, uh, in dire straits this episode. But I'm so glad that you cared enough to ask as soon as we hit record. You had an opportunity to do that, and you passed up on that, which is great. Mm-hmm. Um, so uh, I'll go ahead and kick it over to you since you want to be you know Mister. It's all about me, McGee. Um, how are you doing, man? I gotta be honest. I didn't hear anything you just said. Okay, um, so you just had no, me just muted up. Okay, okay. All right. No, no, no. Uh, no, man. It's, it's therapy. Been a pretty, I'm uh, going to therapy. <laughs> I'm just kidding. It was a pretty unexciting week. I mean, I had a. I've been in a little bit of a video game funk where e- even the games that I'm playing, we're playing currently, especially at the beginning of the week, I just wasn't feeling them at the moment. I, less about the quality of those games and more about just me and that in specifically like rain code how much text there is in that game and i just didn't really feel like sitting there and kind of reading, reading? through <laughs> no it's just like a lot of the, the exposition in that i'm in a position i'm in a place in that game right now where it's a lot of exposition okay. and it's great i still like it it's just i just wasn't there in terms of how i felt so i wasn't really in the mood to play a lot of games so early on in the beginning of the week i was i kind of what i did was actually is i uh finished a, a season of the bear you ever seen the bear uh no that's like like a show about uh, a, a a a cook in 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 Chicago who wants to kind of like um, open up his own re- restaurant. Anyway, it's one of those shows that's like hyper realistic, really well written, but so much so realistic that it kind of reminds you how shitty life is. Uh, oh. And so that kind of put me in the funk where it's like, oh great, 
prestige television also life sucks your dreams become nightmares and your nightmares becomes your nine to five love it oh my uh, god so i thought I've been, i was having I've, a rough ass week my, you were having an existential crisis my guy <laughs> yeah it's a, uh, yeah for sure having an egg salad sandwich for sure oh wow um, vocabs at an all-time low but I, I no wonder why i don't like reading in uh, master <laughs> detective you you don't like books you don't like uh, you don't like being smart I, I like reading books. They got pictures in them. Oh, my. Nah, uh, but <laughs> I did find a couple of games uh, that I've been playing. I'll talk about okay. that on our loadouts. Well, why don't we go know, ahead? It was redeemed there towards the end. Speaking of reading, Pablo, why don't you do the segment that has us all on pins and needles when you get through it all and tell us what we got on the docket <laughs> this week? I don't know what accent he's going to come up with this time around, ladies and gentlemen. One week it's French. The, the next week he goes full-blown Puerto Rican. Uh, yeah. Let's let's let, mean, let's shoot for some good old. Describe my my whole family tree, and then you said to put on. I would like some star spangled ass American accent this time around. All right, if you don't have, if you don't have anything listen, to do. All right, we got. Listen, in today's loadouts, Marco finally got his hands on Dead Island Two. Yeah, and I've decided to stop taking reviews words for it, and decided to give redacted for. <laughs> A chance. Uh, were the reviews right? I'll let oh, you know. Oh, I just got a hot flash. I'm a man, though. That's not supposed to happen. That's not supposed to be me. <laughs> Remnant 2 is here, and people are loving it, but am I? I'll answer that, and I'll tell you what Sea of Thieves, the legend of Monkey Island, biggest flaw is. Uh, it's not a secret, but I, I will tell you what that is. Also, is our beloved Overwatch dying? This month, uh, this month, uh, I am reading from... It started, oh wow, now we're going holistically for the whole month. Now, uh, this once bulletproof uh, IP now seems to be at death's door. And can Blizzard save Overwatch? We'll talk about that here. Mm. And today's checkpoint is an interesting one. It's, a, it's one that I've been looking forward to. Marco and I respectfully are going to ask you to stop... Yeah, lying. Mm. Lies and the lies they tell. We're going to expose all you liars today at Checkpoint. Uh, I can't wait. I am very oh, much excited for this. I know. Let me tell you something, ladies and gentlemen. The Checkpoint, the main event of the show he's talking about, this episode right here is Pablo McGee, okay? Hat to about a cool 83% of this man's tweets on his personal account at Shut Up Pops if you want to go find out. This man always has tweets about telling people to stop lying about things. Stop lying. <laughs> Act like you really like this. This segment is it is tailor made for my boy Pablo. So you got to stick around because we are going to we are going to we are going to share some pretty harsh truths to all of you listeners out there. And we, we, we do it with love. Yeah. But like, for example, 83 percent of people be lying. Oh, my God. Do they ever? Um, so let's go ahead and get started with the show, Pablo, and let's do it with the segment dedicated to the games that we should not have been playing uh, <laughs> <laughs> since you last heard from us. Uh, we call that segment Loadouts. Let's go. All systems nominal. Loadouts ready. All right, now Pablo, let me let me just let me just cut right to the to the daggone chase. All right, I don't even say daggone like that. You just made this me came, went full white. I don't know. I don't, what the, what the, trying to keep the you hell? ambiguous for the for the minorities. Why man? are you playing this woke ass? <laughs> <laughs> this woke ass game. No, man, you you got to walk me through this one. You know yeah. you know what I'm gonna say. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Why 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 are well, you playing the, the game you're playing right now? Tell us tell the people. The game I'm playing right now. 
is none other than Forspoken. Uh, look, you and I, you you actually kind of uh, our conversation kind of sparked this uh, this experiment because we talked about how reviews lately have not been kind of correlating with our personal yeah. taste. That's right? actually Diablo, we're going to talk about that in the checkpoint. But yes, yeah. So Diablo Four, Final Fantasy Sixteen, all praised, right, 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 and really were games that not only did we not enjoy, like we almost to a certain extent were like opposed to 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 the game in terms of like the quality of it like we really think that some of these games are actually actively bad and to to a certain extent so i went and i and i was thinking about that because forspoken is a game that came out in january and it's a game that got completely lambasted by media and obviously youtubers and all those uh, of video game pundits really took this game to task and I'm sure there's there were truths to that, and, I, and I'll talk about that here in a second. But I felt in my heart that maybe, maybe this is one of those games where, you know, maybe I'll like it because of the fact that they were too harsh on it, right? Mm. The, these reviews weren't aren't, aren't lining up with my views this year. Maybe this is one of those games. And um, look, I'm gonna say this. I, I let let me start by points. Uh, one okay. of the things about this game that really, really was talked about was the quote-unquote awful writing, uh, and people couldn't stop talking about that. I think that the writing is actively bad at times, but all the clips that I've ever seen on Twitter about the act, bad about the bad writing were all within the first ten minutes of that game. Every single one of them. So that got me thinking, like maybe this isn't as bad as I, th- I thought it was. And lo and behold, as the game progresses, it's not a masterpiece by any stretch of the imagination in terms of the writing. But it's not as offensive as you would think. It's, it's. I would say that it is, in it's in line with what we saw in Final Fantasy sixteen and any other third person fantasy action adventure game not made by Naughty Dog. Okay, you know it's not terrible, uh, really. Like the pre- and also when you look at the premise of Forspoken, it actually works really well. Think Alice in Wonderland. Think Wizard of Oz, right? That's kind of where we're at here. Uh, Frey gets sent into this world that she doesn't know, and all of a sudden she has these magical powers. And I I feel that that really works here because a lot of the dynamics between her life in New York and her life in uh, uh, Aria, which is the, the, the world that she inhabits, is actually, that dichotomy is actually pretty interesting. She's a person that is was a foster, uh, was in foster care and didn't know... Uh, you know, didn't feel special, and then all of a sudden, she lands in this world, and automatically, she's a special person, like, it, it, off rip, so I like that dichotomy between those two characters, and I would say this, uh, the gameplay is, isn't standard fare either, uh, we all know that there is no melee attacks, it's all, you know, guns, it's all magic kind of spewing from your hands, I think that the, the combat is actually really interesting, and it's really fun to play, um, the enemy design, for the most part, is actually really good, there's, uh, there's a plague that they call the, pro- the broken, taking wildlife and converting it into disgusting animals that look absolutely terrible, but in a good way. And I think that design is really good. Okay. Um, and then the enemy design as well. But Frey voice acting, I want to go back to that real quick because I know that's one thing that me and you talked about because it sounded pretty bad. Um, yes, it's still kind of bad. <laughs> and the cuffs, the cuffs of the game, the the the, the Van Brace. Uh, oh, oh, the, it, that's the that's that, that bracelet that talks thing, right? Right, that's yeah, right. okay. Which is a part of this game that sounds weird and it is weird and it doesn't really make sense and it doesn't really make sense and probably should have been in this game because it's kind of out of place and all that is true. However, 
his voice acting is pretty good. The problem is that the writing fails him way off, more often than not. It just corny lines are being written. I think that her performance um, was it's, it's overly criticized. I think she's not great. I don't think she's terrible. I think a lot of the the things that she expresses in terms of sadness and happiness, I think she does a really good well, a good job. Where when she does those things, you feel the emotion coming from it. It doesn't feel hey, I am so sad. It's not like that. It's it's just unfortunately the writing that comes from it isn't very good consistently, and that's the problem. It's not consistently. Um, good and that's really where the game starts falling apart the traversal is basically one button press hardcore hardcore you, you, you press it you run and you, you kind of start to do these really cool animations that honestly the animations are super dope and awesome to look at but by the hundredth time that this person is jumping over the wall and doing a backflip or, or a somersault it gets a little old uh, and it, there's nothing really for you to do it automatically does it and so it just feels a little bit kind of like repetitive and not fun to do uh, there's nothing interesting about the world itself in that it's very barren and empty there are certain areas that's populated by other people but the most part the thing you're doing the most is going from place to place and there's vast uh it's like a it's a very large gap between the next town and there's a lot of running and a lot of of enemy encounters that really don't need to be done so you can run right past them and so a lot of that uh, the majority of the game you're going to find yourself just doing a lot of nothing and, and, and that's where the game falls apart. It, it kind of wants to be this big, ambitious open world game. It's not ambitious at all in its execution. And if it were to be a little bit more funny enough, if it were to be a little bit more like Final Fantasy 16, and I've, I keep bringing up that game because it's a Square Enix game, and also it's the most recent game that we've played, but if it was more like that, a little bit more linear, this game would have benefited that by so much. It, I think it would have been, I think it would have been a game that people really uh, enjoy. However, with all that said, I will say that I do find myself pretty interested in the game. The story is not great, but it's not bad. The characters are fine. Uh, the combat is the thing that I keep coming back to. Uh, and I think that this game is going to be a game that down the line, people are going to have those think pieces like, you know, uh, Forspoken for got a bad rep, or Forspoken isn't as bad as we think it is. Like, because I do think that this game, there's quality in this game. I've seen a lot of games this year that claim to do the to be good games and just have the same failures that this game has, except nobody talks about those, or they excuse them, or they say it's very much this kind of game, or it's it's so Final Fantasy, or it's so Diablo. Those kind of games are 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 kind of not they're 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 covered by that criticism because of what they are. This being a new IP unfortunately it gets all the hate that other games just don't get so i would say that this game is a actually pretty good game i bought it from uh the summer uh summer sale on playstation definitely don't buy don't pay don't pay 70 dollars uh but you know at the end of the day uh even though i'm enjoying it i don't think this is an essential game to play this year though so that's where i'm at with with first spoken you have any questions uh why did you buy this game? <laughs> uh, no, nope. no. Look, listen. In all seriousness, all seriousness. Here's the thing. I think I think two things are in play here. First off, you're playing the game kind of kind of after a lot of patches and updates that addressed some of some of the issues. I mean, you can't patch out bad writing, obviously, but you know a lot of the no, things yeah. that were really raggedy about the game, from what I heard, are not so raggedy now. So I'm I'm glad that they cleaned up some of the experience to make it something that, that even you could see some enjoyment out of. Mm -hmm. I think the problem is that when you make a game this bad, right, that 
literally leads to the closure of the whole studio. <laughs> I mean, it's it's a little yeah. hard to redeem because it, you know it, even though it's not that bad, it it certainly wasn't as good as it was supposed to be. Um, enough to keep a well, whole studio alive, right? Well, it's a new IP, so like it it really it, the survivability of new IPs by studios that are not that well known really are contingent on sales and the way it's critically received. And I will stand by this. I think that the the critical reception of the game is in a lot of ways unfounded and honestly they harp on a lot of stuff that happens very early on in the game and the stuff that's happening uh past that point is is actually fine it's decent it's a decent story decent voice acting decent writing in in in, in parts but you know obviously I, I agree though i think if this game was better a better game from the start i think that obviously the sales would be there mm-hmm. and critics be damned right right uh but unfortunately because it it, it doesn't it doesn't reach the, the 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 level of hype that was put onto the game, being that it was a a next generation game, a PlayStation Five game, an exclusive at that. That I think that a lot of that it was just kind of a, a storm of things, bad bad reviews, uh, and just kind of word of mouth killed this game more than this game is bad. You know how they say that that the team that the team beat itself or the other team beat it. I think that they, I, I really do think that they didn't do anything that's out-of-pocketly bad in any way, shape, or form. I really do think that just that word of mouth killed the shit out of this game in ways that um, that it just, you know, it doesn't really happen for other established IPs. Mm. So, Okay. Well, you know what? Um, I, I don't... I, listen, kudos to you for playing it. Uh, I, I will not be touching it. You know, it even before if it comes on PlayStation like Plus or something, I think you should try. Yeah, because I, I just don't, I don't, I don't have any desire to. I just, it's not a game that looks like it appeals to me at all. Um, so I'm, I'm, I'm still gonna, I'm still keeping ten toes down on passing on that game. Yeah, I, I'm glad it's not as bad as everyone made it out to be. It's, it certainly has been fodder for a lot of like fanboy wars online. You know, like mm-hmm. screenshotting the Metacritic score anytime anybody brings up Redfall. Well, what about this? You know, it's it's that kind of game it's right now. Close to Redfall, which I yeah. yeah, which I think in that context it's kind of ridiculous. But it's still leading up to release after release, even after seeing what they've done with some patches. It still isn't not for me. But hey, look, yeah, more I, power I, I to you. Respect, more power to yeah, you. Yeah, and I can respect that. But I also think this game got hit by both sides. It got hit by the critics, right, and then also got hit by the fact that it's a black woman uh and and it's in this game and so all all of a sudden that is woke right that's that's kind of like the other part of the internet that 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 anything that has to do with any female leading a game it's automatically not because the artist felt that the female needed to be a lead it's because they did it for inclusion which is absolutely silly and in, mm-hmm. in, in just about every way oh, so you agree there. there's a Every corner of the internet hated this game for a particular reason, <laughs> and each of those reasons I think are almost uh, basically unfounded in a lot of ways. So that does suck for the for the game itself. But yeah. I would suggest anybody if this game comes on a PS Plus, give it a try. I'm not gonna guarantee that you're gonna love it. I will guarantee. I can almost guarantee that you're gonna be like, you know what? It's definitely not as bad as they said it was. It's just not a game for me because there's a lot of things that are not good about it and there's a lot it's large parts of the game so all right well let's keep moving pablo up next you have another game on your list it's actually a new release uh that Mm -hmm. quite a few people are talking about right now um Mm -hmm. you know not not a household name ip by any stretch of the imagination but a sequel to a very kind of double a um you know cult classic kind of game so tell me what's going on with this one what do you got going on 
Yeah, it's Remnant 2, which is obviously the sequel for Remnant from the Ashes. And that was one of those sleeper hits from a couple of years ago that people really love, but ultimately it wasn't for me. Uh, it's it's um, it's a looter shooter at heart, but it has a unique take on, on, on its Dark Soul inspirations. Basically, the short of it, it is dark souls with guns that's that's kind of like the the label people have given it and it's more well, it's I more think, over the shoulder right than than like than an elden ring kind of thing isn't isn't it oh yeah, yeah. it's more over the it's more like gears of, gears of war uh, there you go sense, Got for it. sure okay yeah uh but it w- i would say like the difficulty of it and kind of like the the finding a campsite that kind of stuff that's why it's all that uh uh Dark Souls inspiration. Now, while Remnant 2 is still very much a third-person action RPG looter shooter, and yes, it's still "quote unquote" uh, Dark Souls with guns, it feels like a vast improvement uh, over its predecessor in just about every way. Um, now, I'll admit this, Marco. I, I I'm gauging that observation based on how quickly I fell off of uh, from uh, uh, from the ashes. I think that. Uh, just in contrast, how addicted I am to Remnant 2 in the short term uh, that I've had access to it because it just came out. It's coming out Tuesday, but there's an edition that you can buy that is uh, early access. Uh, and so me and my brother went half and half and, and we uh, you know decided to get it. But uh, in the short time that I've played it and I've had time with it, I really fall in love with what the game it really is. I think the art style is really beautiful. Um, there's something about their use of color and amb- an ambiance that really gives that world a uh, sense of place. Each world you visit is a unique in its design. However, the trade-off is that the worlds are procedurally generated. And so <laughs> we're going to talk about procedural generation later on in the show. But this is an example of a game using that to the best of its ability uh, because of how different each world is and, and, the, and each of those uh, maps being procedurally generated. I didn't feel like if it, 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 it didn't feel like a hastily put together environment. Uh, the layouts were familiar, but visually different enough to where it doesn't feel like you're in stuck in run of the mill budget hell with with money saving procedural generation. Right, mm. that's not really what it feels like. Um, according to, to massive fans of the series. Um, this game is like a Diablo-esque where the quote-unquote real game start at starts at the end, right, after a specific level. However, this game doesn't leave the pl- a player like me behind where a lot of the story and a lot of what they're doing with, with each of those uh, areas are very much catered to, to, to players playing for the first time or the first run-through. If you want to re-roll a dungeon or re-roll an area to get a specific piece of armor that is uh, that is localized there, you can do that. But you don't have to. And the game doesn't really punish you for that at all. Um, it, I would say uh, that the loot economy is is different. I'm not even going to talk about that, honestly, because I haven't put enough time into it to understand that specifically. And I don't want to kind of talk out of my ass just the base of what I've seen. Uh, so I'm going to talk about that more in later episodes uh, throughout, uh, throughout just to kind of get my, get my head around it because it is... It's different. I'll just say that. Um, and uh, story-wise, I will say that the game does a lot up front. It, it, it kind of suffers a little bit from the Diablo um, the Diablo thing where great story uh, opening, a lot of story up front, and then that kind of dies out a little bit. But 
I think the contextual storytelling and just kind of like the fun gameplay, the real fun gameplay. I mean, this game is a fucking blast to play. Is really kind of puts it over even Diablo for me in that way. Um, there are long stretches of a moment where there's no story happening. It's just kind of going from place to place. But again, different enough environments, different enough enemies for each of those environments makes it a really interesting game to kind of play. Uh, and uh, I would say for me... Um, when we're looking at the world and how th- that kind of translates over to the the storytelling, I think there's a lot of lore here, but it is a little bit Dark Soulsy, where it's so complex and uh, in yeah within that it feels a little bit kind of like I understand it, the story, like, but is to it, really is it like cryptic storytelling, like like Dark Souls and Elden Ring is, or is it more no, just it's, like it, up its own ass? No, neither. It's just like to find out, like, okay, I understand the baseline story, but to understand the why behind some of these things, there are conversations you have to have with people. There are things that you have to read. There are environmental things that you see that will kind of enhance the story. So, like, you know the story about, you know the Star Wars story, uh, Luke Skywalker, and he's a Jedi, but the specifics about what is the Jedi order and why does that matter? What is the Jedi? What is metachlorines? All those details behind each of the story elements. That's what you'll find in that contextual storytelling. Now there is an out and out story. It's telling you, you know, there are cutscenes, all that good stuff. Your character is voiced. They have that. So you'll get a lot of that, but just to set expectations, it is still a looter shooter type of game where the main focus is its gameplay loop and collecting loot. Uh, so there's that. Um, I, I Honestly, going into this year, I thought Diablo 4 would be the game for me that's going to kind of uh, scratch that itch about, you know, collecting loot and putting that onto your player and seeing how that changes your character archetype. I'm actually finding that I'm way more having way more fun with uh, with Remnant 2 in that aspect. I think it has to do with the fact that obviously the asymmetric kind of top-down view about Diablo is fine, but it's I'm just... A, I, for me, I'm a better. I, I feel better playing over the shoulder, first person yeah. kind of thing. So th- there's that there that kind of makes that better for me. So I'm definitely gonna keep playing this game because I'm really, I'm really loving it. I think it's really, it's really good. I love the worlds. I love everything about about that, and I like the gameplay. The gunplay is awesome. Uh, your special moves are all cool. I love all that shit, and I like the crafting system. I just have to kind of, you know, put my head down, play a little bit, and, and I'll talk about it more in terms of how I really feel about it, because a lot of these games start off really strong, you know, Diablo 4, and then you, you end up kind of feeling like the game lets you down in one way or the mm-hmm. other. I feel so far the game mm-hmm. is, 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 is going to be a great game for me, maybe reach the conversation of top 10 if we get there, but we'll see, we'll, you know, as, as that develops uh, throughout the weeks for sure. Okay. Yeah. I only have one quick question from what you've played yeah. so far real quick. Cause we got to move on. How difficult is this game in your opinion? Yeah. Um, in my opinion, it's not as difficult as Elden Ring or as, as uh, a dark souls games. However, it is, it, it is pretty difficult. Uh, especially the first few areas you'll, you, you can't just run and gun. Um, you have to use your evade. You have to use your special um, uh, maneuvers or, or uh, skills. You have to be aware of where the enemy is at all times. Like I, the last thing I played was this area where 
I literally was down to a sliver of my last health and beat the boss there. But I did beat it on my first run. So it wasn't one of those things where it's like, uh, I have to replay 25 it tries later. Yeah. yeah, no, it's not that hard. It's just there is difficulty to it. Now, there also is a difficulty system. Uh, the standard system is still hard. And then it had two other difficulties where it's, you know, it's meant to play with friends and it makes it a little more harder kind of thing because you could play this game online with friends, with two other friends. I think it's a... Uh, oh, three? Uh, yeah, I think it's three oh, co-op, okay. I think, if I'm not mistaken. Gotcha. So um, so there is that to that. And then there's three levels of that. And there's one nightmare, one that unlocks once you reach the end game. But yeah, uh, it is it is it's a cha- it's a challenging game. We'll call it that. It's not gonna it's not gonna frustrate you to hell, but it is pretty challenging. Mm, okay, gotcha. Also, let's not get it twisted, or uh, I don't wanna be taken out of context. This is still very much a double A game. Okay. So graphically it's good. It's not great. The, the the art style does a lot for it in terms of it, uh, the, how it looks. I think it plays fantastic in terms of its performance, so that's good. Uh, but you know, character designs are a little bit not so detailed. You're not gonna mm. you're not gonna get these incredible detailed animations uh, uh, from even the cutscenes. Uh, but it, I think the art style works for it rather than against it. Okay. Fair enough. Yeah, keep us posted on how things go uh, as you play more of that game. But uh, you do have one other one other experience, uh, if uh. you shall. Uh, let's get through this one, and then I'll tag in next with what I got. But we'll, we'll talk about your last little thing here. Man, this is this is probably my most disappointing thing, um, game wise, all all week. Because <clears throat> as you know, of people who listen to the show, I love Monkey Island. Uh, I love last year's return to Monkey Island uh, all the Monkey Island games I love Guybrush 3 I love that character I'm just in love with that series so I actually downloaded Sea of Thieves to play The Legend of Monkey Island which was promised to be a point and click type adventure in the Melee Island which is the main island of Monkey Island I'll say this, just the real positives real quick a 3D rendering of Bailey Island is great, but it feels more like a museum. Oh, I know this. Oh, I know this in 3D. And it's not even done to perfection, so it's a little bit cheap in that sect. The problem with this game is that it's still fucking Sea of Thieves. <laughs> and I know, I know, listen, I know the game has its fans, but I, I don't get it. I don't, I don't get I think the, the animation's floaty. Fighting in that game feels terrible. The water's nice. I mean, really good. It's really nice. Um, just ultimately for me, I'm sure that the game would be a blast if you had like five of your friends and you're this big boat and you're just out there uh, griefing other people. I'm sure that's fun. But like the 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 objective orientated gameplay of what you have to do with Legend of Monkey Island, it just took everything about Monkey Island and it's cheapened it to fit the aesthetic of Sea of Thieves. And uh, you know, and I. It does more harm than good for me. Mm. And then obviously knowing that Ron Gilbert wasn't even a part of this or wasn't even asked to, to, to kind of um, consult. It, it just feels like someone really liked uh, this game uh, and they decided to add it on. It just didn't do much for it. I just it's It sucks, okay? <laughs> <laughs> just waiting for you to say that. That's all you had to say. It sucks. All this, it sucks. All this whole soliloquy. of Bailey Island is, is pretty dope. Yeah. Uh, but there's not much going for it after that. I feel like I've been saying Sea of Thieves has been trash since the day I, I came out the womb. I feel like it's been just that long. I came out and I said, Sea of Thieves, bitch. 
Um, <laughs> the thing with that, the thing with that game is like it came out in such a terrible state, and it's improved. And that improvement great, people have taken to be like, picked to be like now it's good. Now it's better than it was before, but not good is a stretch, uh, guys. It's that's uh, again to each their own. But I've always looked at that game as kind of a turd that gets more polished uh, as they go. <laughs> that's I, I know it's gonna sound harsh. It's just I played that game too, and I, I felt the same exact way. I'm like, why? It felt like that game got like a, 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 a like resurgence for like Twitch streamers, you know, because it was funny doing like the hijinks together as like a, you know, as, as a group on, on, on your boat and all that. But I think if you're, tr- you have to play that game a very specific way to have a good time. And that's what bothers me. If you want to right. solo Sea of Thieves, worst time ever. Worst time. Oh, you yeah. can't, it's, 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 it's unplayable. Yeah. yeah. So it's like, why, why, so- why would I even do that? Yeah, at the very least, it provides a playground for hijinks. But ultimately, for me, that's not the kind of game that I play. And so it's not really like a must-play in any way, shape, or form. So. No, no, no surprise there. Um, yeah. All right, I'm going to go ahead and tag in, man. Um, so for it. I have been playing Dead Island 2. Um, I, uh, I, I waited on this one. Uh, as I said, I would, you know, because I just felt like, you know, I'm interested, but I don't know if I'm interested in a full price type of way. So um, I got around to it. Obviously, it's been a few months since the game came out. Um, and I, um, it's an interesting game because I think the game is generally fine. It is a okay game that I, I'm, I'm kind of surprised in some ways is as polished as it is. Now, maybe it could be Forspoken all over again and that I'm playing it several patches later and it's great. But I oh. even heard when it came out that it was really in good shape. Um, I, I played it when it came out and it I have no kind of yeah. memory of that game playing bad. It actually played really well. Yeah, it, and it looks very good too. Uh, graphically, mm-hmm. very surprisingly good looking game. Um, and I, I found that, you know, even, even the, the comedy, the irreverent sort of... Um, humor the game leans on. I didn't find it to be all that annoying either. So no. I didn't mind the world. I didn't mind the look. I didn't mind the feel. I think the problem. Who'd you, who'd you pick? Oh, um, Danny. She is the the chick with all the tattoos and the like, the green hair and all. Oh that. yeah, like the, I, I picked Jacob. Oh yeah, yeah. I, which I, I liked. I, I like the characters too. I think the character selection thing was kind of cool. Some of them I was like, I ain't playing as a character look like that because he's a little too, <laughs> you know. Okay, now, I don't want to play the one that looks like Lil Pump. Uh, but uh, I digress. I, I think Pablo. Here's the thing. Um, it's a it's a cool game that really only does one thing well which is the melee combat and that's about it that Gore-Tec crazy it it the Gore-Tec is cool you definitely get um pretty pumped about like hitting an enemy in a certain location and seeing kind of like how their flesh starts to like more like you know dangle off or their jaw starts to unhinge it is it is cool tech I think it just all collectively loses its luster the further you play um and it got to a point where I felt like okay I'm just kind of crafting goofy little weapons to hit and, and kind of get the same end result. Um, and in that way, I, I have to be honest, I lost interest pretty quickly. I mean, I played about, I want to say I put about five hours in. I, I gave it, okay. I gave it a, a, a really decent amount of time, but I just felt like the combat um, system didn't really have enough variety to it. 
to keep me interested for very long. It felt like it's like, okay, just now you can use a, uh, you know, a golf club and well, now you can use a katana. And I, I don't know. I, I felt like that just didn't do enough to keep me engaged for very long. And then the little things they do with adding like elemental stuff to your weapons, like you can make stuff like electrocute people, or you can grab like a battery out of a car, which apparently in, in LA is the easiest thing to do in the world. You can just <laughs> pluck them right out them bitches. Um, <laughs> You know, things like that. They're, and everything runs with the same kind oh, of battery. Oh, all, all of them are the same. Don't worry about it. Uh, you know, it, those things I think are fine for a while. But I, again, I just felt like that game needed more. Um, maybe this is a pun. I don't know. But needed more meat on the bone uh, to, hey, to kind of keep me invested beyond the opening hours. So I'll be honest with you. I, I, I did bounce off the game. Um, you know, I, I did too. I think to be honest, it is a cool game. I don't, I don't recommend people don't play it. Um, I just think that come into it with, with grounded expectations that it's going to look good. It's going to perform good. And you might not mind the, you know, the, the tonality of the story. Just don't expect a lot of, uh, diversity in the way you can approach combat. It is pretty straightforward. I will say one last thing that I did actually appreciate and people kind of, trash the game for this i like the fact that it's more linear than than yes. most games yes i think i like the fact that it was way more focused it's not completely like a corridor like you know kind of game no, no. you can still branch off and do little side stuff here and there uh it's just not a very big map to explore and i think that actually works to its benefit um because it keeps you on a set path and it doesn't let you get too lost and in because I, I i think that not to keep harping on the combat i just think that they knew they don't have enough going on combat wise to just let yeah. you have your way and, and explore the world. Cause I think eventually you, you, you would probably get bored quicker than you would if they kept it linear. Um, so overall, I think it is a great mid game from this year that I, I think is worth checking out if you have a, uh, you know, a, some kind of active interest in it, but I don't think it's going to set your world on fire by any stretch of the imagination. <laughs> I feel like if, if you take Dead Island 2 and you take Dying Light 2 and you mash them together, that's like a pretty dope game right there. Like, it, Dying Because I, I, <laughs> I feel like a lot of the stuff that Dead Island doesn't do great, Dying Light does better and vice versa. So That is true. Uh, that is true. Yeah. But uh, I, I, yeah, I, I agree, man. I, I think it just becomes, it, at this point, uh, playing games after they've come out, I, I think what happens, because I, I experienced it with Forspoken, it's expectations have been set. Uh, and so at that point you come into it if an expectation has been set that it's going to be garbage and it's not complete garbage then you're like you know what it's not that bad and then in this case I was full on expecting Dead Island 2 to be absolutely horrible and it just was not that at all Uh, and then so kind of probably hearing me talk about yeah it's actually pretty good you know you had an expectation that that was going to be decent and it is but it's just not a game that is going to grab everybody's attention and and bring them all the way to the end game yeah 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 um, but you know, I'm glad I tried it. I'm glad I, I finally got around to it. Uh, and then the last game I played, I won't talk too much about this one. I did, you know, have the itch to go back to the Midgar streets, Pablo. So I did, I did, I, I, did too. I busted out Final Fantasy VII Remake, uh, the PS5 version, uh, to be exact. Played uh, a good amount of that. I'm, I'm towards the end of the game right now, so I'm actually almost done. Damn. Putting in work out here, man. You know, um, I take my craft serious. You know, uh, I don't know why I said it like that, but you know what I mean. But uh, no, I, listen. Um, it's Final Fantasy VII, man. It just is. It's it's, and uh, 
you know, I, I promise I will at some point in life stop talking about Final Fantasy 16 in comparison to everything. <laughs> I think I've compared Final Fantasy 16 to a burger at this point. But I, I feel like comparing those two it looks games. Looks good, but it tastes like shit. Yeah. <laughs> Wendy's is better. Um, <laughs> Final Fantasy 7 is just pure magic, man. From a right, from the characters are just mm, a one. And, and, and that world building and the lore is just top tier stuff. And you, you can't help but go, man, you just put out this remake a couple years ago. And you put, and on top of this, Pablo, bro, it looks so much better than 16 visually. I am almost convinced, and I, and I believe this in my heart. I, might, I don't think I'm the only person that said this, so I don't want to act like it's just me. I could, I could promise you 16 had to have been a PS4 game for most of its development. Because in comparison to, to way that, to the way that to the way that this remake looks, especially with the PS5 enhancements, it's like there is no way you squeezed as much juice as you could have out of the hardware for 16. Because the seven remake looks so good in, in contrast, it is not even funny. I mean, the the effects are better, the character models look better, uh, the the you know the the, the lighting, the shadows, all those different little particles, all the nerdy shit. That makes a game, you know, come together and look top tier. Seven remake has, and sixteen doesn't. And then you See, add on the gameplay, right? Which is like the, you know, that to me, seven remakes combat. You want you you want to tell me that that RPGs are moving to more action RPG? I'll take it if you give me seven remakes combat system. Absolutely, because the, it's so well done. You have a perfect balance of, you know, the the. the intuitive combat and then you can stop pause and then do your abilities or use your materia and it just works and 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 in comparison to 16 16 just said nah we're not doing any of that and it's you know again to each their own if you love 16 great but i think 7 remake coming back to it after playing 16 was like oh no yeah i'm i'm totally confident in my disposition towards 16 after after playing this yeah you kind of validate some of my opinions about final fantasy 16's visuals because i got bad eyes guys i got real bad eyes and so sometimes i see shit and i'm like i don't think that looks good but everybody kept telling me that final fantasy c is like the most beautiful game they've ever seen on next generation consoles and i was like okay i'll take their word for it but you saying that because i thought that too even playing 16 i'm like i think seven looks better i, I remember cloud's character model just looking oh. so much better like tiffa's and, and, and Barrett just looking like Fucking First of amazing. all, I don't know who Tifa is, but it's Tifa. <laughs> <laughs> there uh, go with that but, French bullshit again. Uh, Berry. Berry <laughs> is uh, quite a gentleman, yeah? But I, I digress. No, but oh. seriously, I, I, I felt in my head. Uh, you sound like Count, oh, sound like Count Pobula. Hey, man. One, two, three. I'd be counting on these bitches. Oh, no. <laughs> yeah. All right, keep going. What were you going to say? I don't even know no more. Come on, man! You gotta keep it. No, together. no, I really, I don't know. I was, uh, I think I was talking about. No, I think I finished my thought. I just thought that visually, I felt seven looked better. I just hadn't haven't had the chance to actually go back and 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 take a look. Though I did do the same thing. I downloaded uh, seven remake on PS Five. Did you? Because I was curious. Did you ever play the Integrate DLC with Yuffie? I, I try. I started it. Uh, oh, I got pretty far. You gotta play that into it. Yeah, the only reason I didn't I didn't finish it was because something else came out and kind of distracted me. Oh, that's Pablo and right I, there. Honestly, <laughs> honestly, no, but honestly, I wasn't really feeling it. Um, I didn't like the way she... I didn't like her combat system. I didn't like the way she... 
Well, I would get, I would at least YouTube the, the story so you know, because it's it's essential for the, you know, can I playing play the second game. Because se- I have it. So can I play Remake 7 on PS5? And, or do I have to, with integrate in within the game? Or do it's I have separate. to play it separately? It's separate. Okay. Yeah. So I'm, I, I want to do a restart, a replay of that. So I should start with integrate just because I know the story of 7 Remake. Yeah. Yeah. I would do that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, but that is going to do it for what I got going on. Yeah, kind of a, not not a crazy week in terms of, of games to play, but, uh, you know, got a chance to try a game that's been on my bucket list and, and got a chance to revisit a classic. Uh, so I'm, I'm definitely happy with so that. We're definitely not sponsored, but you're, you, how's your No, uh, we're sponsored by with... Blue Chew. <laughs> no, how's your journey with, um, uh, with Gamefly? Oh, Gamefly, yeah, that's how I got Dead Island too. Uh, it's been it's been pretty cool. I got to be honest, it saved me a lot of money. You know, like it, it, look, being a dad is hard out there. Um, yeah. But you know, it, it, you lose you lose a lot of money on 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 toys and other things for your kids. So you know, I I needed to do something to kind of mitigate a lot because I was building up that the list of games I want to play. I just don't want to spend that much money on. And I think that also, like, as much as I appreciate the Game Passes of the world and the PS Pluses of the world, I don't like necessarily being beholden to waiting for them to put something on the the, the service that I want to play. So it was like, all right, I got to think of something. And I I mean, I had Gamefly back in like the 360 era. That was the last time I had it. And I didn't even know they were still around until another podcast had, you know, mentioned it in passing. I will say, you know, again, this isn't a plug. We don't we're not sponsored by anybody. But like if you if. If you're the type of person that that can play a game, be one and play it, be done with it, and not really have a desire to go back to it again, I think GameFly is a very valid option to rent to rent games now. Um, and so I, I've been doing that. I, I mean, I literally got three games in one month, and I mean, you you divvy up three games divided by you know what seventeen bucks a month or something like that. And I saved a pretty yeah. good penny um, on games that. I either am glad I played through Gamefly so I didn't waste money like Star Wars Jedi Survivor, which wasn't for me if you didn't catch last week's episode, or games like Dead Island 2 where I'm like, you know what, I'm glad I tried it. It was cool. I enjoy it, but it, you know, or games that you're like, man, I'm so glad I got a chance to finally get that off my bucket list, you know, so I'm, I'm happy about that. So what's next on the list? Um, I think I have Master Detective Archives Raincode next up, uh, and I got Kirby coming for the little one, so... That's 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 what we got on on deck. So I will keep you all posted and let you know if all the boob talk in Master Detective Archives, as Pablo said, is is as. I mean, it ain't it ain't and it ain't like they're not uh you know making like side jokes. They literally just call them titties Mm. and boobies. And she literally says, "I'm horny. I'm so horny for clues." Is a thing that is said in that game. You know what else? You know, obviously. You know, speaking of horny, we'd be horny if our listeners would subscribe to our show. Uh, oh my God. Jesus. <laughs> how's that for a second? <laughs> now no one's gonna do it. They're like, ah, ew. Um, they don't like click on that. You get me around. I told you we were sponsored by Blue Chew. <laughs> we need to be sponsored by Adam and Eve. Better help. Uh, <laughs> this is uh, this is normally the segment where like people will will skip a couple like. You know, a couple times get to the next segment. But listen, if you like what you're hearing so far, if you, if you find us entertaining at the very damn least, uh, please consider subscribing to our show. We do drop new episodes every single Monday on all streaming services. Plus, we even have audio versions of our show available on YouTube as well. So check us out. 
And if you're feeling extra cool, you can follow us on Twitter or whatever the fuck they're going to call it now. I think it's X at this point. Um, I don't know, man. Uh, you can follow us on Threads. <laughs> uh, you can follow us on all these weird ass social media platforms at It's Cool Down Time uh, if you want to keep in touch with us in between episodes. Uh, but we do have more show to uh, to continue on with, and that includes the next segment of the show. That is our news segment called Hit Points. Let's go. <laughs> For breaking news, rumors, and booty juice, it's time for Hit Points. All right. And this this segment is sponsored by HelloFresh. Just kidding. All right. I'm, <laughs> I'm so tired of all the podcasts that, that sponsor the same three or four things, by the way. That is so fucking irritating. Uh, but I, yeah. I digress. Uh, watch us get a sponsorship they and want, they completely... <laughs> but if they want to throw some money, hello, I love, hello, I use it every day. Oh, yeah. Uh, all right, well, let's go ahead and get uh, started with our new segment, Pablo. And uh, you have the first item on the docket, so why don't you go ahead and yep. kick us off, please? Well, Marco, a new report claims that the PlayStation 5 Pro, codenamed Trinity, is in development and targeting a release in November 2024. Uh, apparently, the PS5 Pro will feature things like accelerated ray tracing, improved FPS at 4K, a new... Uh, 8K performance mode. 8K. Is Don't leave the I guess, witness uh, like this. I guess the tourist two is coming out soon. <laughs> <huh? laughs> so, <laughs> so, how do you feel about this, Marco? Does a PS5 Pro make sense right now? Let me think? let me tell you guys something. All right, pa- I, I mentioned <laughs> Pablo's damn Twitter account. All right, every month this man will post something about 8K on the box for PS5. And brain, I gotta always rebuttal with like, there's a game called The Tourist that is native 8K on the console, and now that has become his 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 latest stop lying troll. Um, <laughs> so this one was this this story had to happen for Pablo's sake. But let, let me let me let me rein it in a little bit here. Um, does a PS5 Pro make sense right now? Um, I don't think so, to be honest with you, and and and. I'll be very, very clear in saying that it's for selfish reasons. And maybe more of you right. will relate to what I'm about to say. But I think the problem with the, the notion of a PS5 Pro is not the fact that we're getting a Pro, to me. Uh, because that seems to be the standard for the business now. You will get a mid-gen refresh at some point by, you know... And one, it's within the time frame. Yeah, so. it, it is. Here's the problem with, for me, though. This was at one point a no-brainer buy for me. And now it's more of a brainer. Right. Because I don't like the idea of PlayStation going so hard in the paint for live service games. Right. Now, here's how I I tie those things together. It's great that you can put out a console with ray tracing, improve 4K frames per second and 8K performance mode. But if 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 I'm enjoying those benefits playing nothing but your live service games that I'm not interested. Right. So at the end of the day, the hardware being improved is cool. But if the software you're giving me doesn't interest me enough to appreciate those hardware improvement, uh, uh, you know, improvements, then it defeats the whole purpose to me, if that makes sense, right? Yeah. I don't want to play those live service games in 1080p, let alone 8K. So why would I go and, and, <laughs> and spend more money on a pro version of the PS5 just to basically get you know, mushed in the face with all your live service games. And on top of that, yeah, that's true. and on top of that, obviously, let's just call a spade a spade. And I'm, maybe Pablo will reference this as well. But 
I mean, have we really got all the juice out of these base consoles yet? Has that really happened so far? I don't know. I don't know. And I mean that genuinely, earnestly. I don't know. It just seems to me like we spent so much of this console cycle so far dealing with a lot of cross-gen bullshit. And we really haven't, I think, apart from what? Um, Horizon Forbidden West Burning Shores DLC is like maybe one of the first. It is like Returnal and stuff like that. But like we, and Demon Souls, y- like, yeah. But we really haven't seen. I guess the point is we haven't seen enough. Like native, the fact that we can name them on one it, hand, that, exactly. So you, we don't have enough native PS5 only games to sit here and go, oh, you know what? It is time for a mid gen refresh to even be able to. Like we can't yeah. even say that yet. So, but does it make sense? You made a great point there. It, does it make sense business wise? I'm sure it does for Sony, um, because what here's here's part of the business aspect of it. You put out a PS5 Pro. What that does is that makes a lot of other gamers who want one sell off or trade in their base PS5s, right? And then people outside buy those base PS5s through like resale markets like GameStop and whatever. And what that does for PlayStation is that that expands the user base. It's a it's a user base expansion um just as much as it is a hardware improvement type of, of, yeah, of yeah. initiative, right? So it puts more PS5s out there in the wild, right? Um, and it gives them, obviously, more opportunities to make more money through software and microtransactions and blah, blah, blah. So it makes sense business-wise, but does it make sense to me as a consumer? No. But what are your, what, what are your thoughts, though? Yeah, I mean, look, one of the things you said about the cross-gen bullshit, we're, we're, we're finally leaving that to then just enter that again? when the new pro comes out where now they're making games for the pro and also the base PS5. Here we go. So I, I'm going to feel like one of those, you know, I, I like my game. I like to, I like to know when I'm playing a game that I'm playing the best version of that game. And so it feels weird to me that now I'm going to be playing a PS5 game that I know is there be, there's a better version out there with the pro. And that kind of sucks. You know, that, that to me isn't, isn't a fun thing at all. And then obviously the promise uh, of the PS5, have we reached the promise of the PF, of PS5? I, I don't, like you said, Marco, I don't, no but the thing is if the ps5 itself has reached its capacity that's a problem already because it's only a couple of years since it's come out and the fact that the pro is a necessity rather than an add-on or a niche product will be problematic i i, I started kind of going down the list of things that they said this uh, provides accelerated ray tracing stood out to me because I don't know what that is, and I've never heard that term, so I looked it up, and basically what that is, is that ray tracing is, uh, is they use AI to enhance ray tracing. It upscales images in real time so it doesn't kill frame rate. Currently, the only uh, uh, thing that's able to do that is the new NVIDIA chip, the RTX 4060 Ti, with the the new DSSLR 3.0, and in tandem with those, you can accelerate ray tracing. That in itself is a $400 chip. So obviously it's going to be a modified version of that of the Pro if the Pro is real. So this isn't going to be cheap. No, this isn't going to be five or six hundred dollars. I didn't even. I, I totally forgot about price point. You're right. You're right. Yeah. And then you know. And then of course, uh, again, 8K resolution sounds great on paper, 
but a decent 8K resolution uh, monitor or TV will cost you upwards of $1,000, and that's the cheap end. And anywhere, if you're going to get a big TV, anywhere up to the, into the, into the field of $24,000 for 8K uh, television. Uh, so it's, we're, we're now we're catering to a market that doesn't actually exist. 8K resolution, again, sounds awesome. That's, that's kind of always been my, my, my thing about 8K on the box and PS5. It's like, who the fuck has an 8K monitor? And honestly, even if you're able to afford one, there's not a lot of games out there at AK Native, so it's uh, now we're 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 asking a lot of developers. Oh, you have the ability to make a game in AK na- Native. We have the PS5 Pro, you know, the Ezra mode. Make sure that you can uh, develop a game that can run at eight eight uh, at eight. Um uh, at 8K, uh, there's too much stuff, shit going on, and you still yet to give me the promise and realize the promise of what the PS5 is supposed to do. You know, it's just it, time frame wise between the PS4 and the PS4 Pro, it would be around 2024. That's the same time. Yeah. But uh, the PS4 didn't go through a global pandemic with chip shortages, and so there's there's people still today getting their PS5. So that brings me to the other thing: it's not consumer friendly. People are literally, I know people who just got a PS5 this year, and are you going to tell me less than a year later, they're <laughs> they're, they're already uh, behind the, the eight ball in terms of the newest of the new, and they could have waited point. a year to dig it. It's just, it doesn't make a lot of sense uh, right now because of, of because of the nature of, of, of COVID and everything that's happened. It, it, the time frame year-wise is the same, but it's not the same. You know, there, there, something happened between those that, in that time that, that really slowed them down. So... I, I think that this would be, uh, I think it's, this will come out. I think it'll sell well, sure, like Marco mentioned, the, the business point of it. But, again, this is kind of Sony showing out that they don't really give a fuck about their consumer. They're, they're, they are the market leader. I like to call them the tastemakers. And they're out here just knowing that and doing whatever the fuck they want in that capacity. This, so I, Yeah, yeah. This, is, this is problematic because, to your point, a great company or a great brand knows how to meet the consumer where they are. And mm-hmm. PlayStation's problem is I think they're trying to be Apple without having Apple's cachet. Like, Apple can put out a VR headset for over $3,000. And, yeah. and, and everyone is crystal clear that it's a niche product for the top, you know, <laughs> top percentile of people who make really yeah. good money, who can afford that kind of a luxury item. And I think PlayStation almost wants to be the Apple of the gaming space by putting out this ultra premium product to create a sense of FOMO or I don't even know what that just is unfounded because again, your roadmap for the future software wise is looking a little raggedy to say the absolute yeah. least. So it's not like you you have the Apple Touch in that everything you touch turns to gold. You had a great year last year. You put out some you put out some heat last year. But I mean, damn. Anybody saw that PlayStation <laughs> showcase? Did anything you saw from that <laughs> showcase make you go, not only am I glad to be a PlayStation owner, but I want a pro so that I can play what the fuck marathon in 8K? Yeah. Or or it, or the the one they showed in the beginning of the of the thing in 8K oh yeah, is that is that why you would want to buy a PS5 Pro? And then just like the trickle down of everything, where it's like, okay, let's say that PlayStation goes. By the way, guys, the PS5 Pro this time around is super niche and it's going to cost a thousand dollars, but it's obviously not for everybody. Okay, however, 
you're still asking the developers to develop for that console. Right. It's already taking seven or eight years to, to make games. Now you're going to add the fact that they have to make sure that they're having a game that can run on their PS5 Pro, which has which has AK mode and has advanced, uh, um, you know, ray tracing and, and all that. It just, it's not a simple, this is for, this is for uh, a certain group of people because the developers making games for it are now have to also now extend their development cycles because they got to make it work for something else. So it just it, it this doesn't make sense to me in so many levels that I honestly think that this rumor is not real. Mm. Uh, that's that's kind of where I'm at because it doesn't make it's so mind blowingly like fucking it's dimwitted. That's why and I think it is real. <laughs> yeah, right? That's honestly that's, why I'm not being sarcastic. I mean, I really think yeah. that they are this. They, there is a delusion of yeah. at Sony right now. To think that they can do this and people are going to show up and buy this thing. And they might yeah. not be wrong, but to your point, what are you getting out of it and what is this going to put developers through? I yeah. don't know. I mean, I'm not going to sit here and act like better graphics is bad for gaming. I don't want people to misconstrue this. It's not. I mean, I would love to see you know games look and run better. And if this console can do that, then, then great. But I mean, damn. Can we can we sit with our damn base consoles for a little while and 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 appreciate this? You just got out of the yeah. I just I just don't want to be gaslighted. If the PlayStation Five and the Xbox Series X just aren't up to snuff, they're just not up to snuff, and they're not going to be able to survive in the market any longer. Then go ahead and release the next, the PlayStation Six, and then whatever the Xbox. Don't 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 be like oh the the place the X the. PS5 Pro is just going to be a small advancement. With everything they're telling me, this is almost a whole brand new console. Like when you look at the PS4 Pro, what it did with the PS4, it had slight advancements. Xbox One X a little bit more than the Xbox One, but still slight, in, in, relatively speaking. This 8K uh, advanced uh, AI used to upscale ray tracing so it doesn't fuck with the frame rate, like. That's shit that people are spending four hundred dollars on just a chip <sighs> to play on their on their highest end of PCs. So don't gaslight us. If you're gonna tell us the PS5 sucks and it's not up to snuff, tell us that, and we'll buy a PS6 if that's the case. And to that point, the problem with these mid-gen refreshes, and I and I'll, I'll take it off of PlayStation, I'll put it on Xbox too, is the sure. shelf life of you. You you only get about a solid three or four years with these pro consoles before the next main console comes out in, in, in the first place. Come irrelevant so quick. Right. So it really is, at its core, it is a luxury item. It is like an, it is a novelty item that is not essential to be able to have a great experience, but it is that FOMO of like, hey, do you really want to spend the next three or four years of this console cycle playing games that look and run worse than you could play them? If you just buy a pro, feel, like that premise is trash to me. Certain, yeah, I will feel a certain kind of way if I know that I'm not playing the best version of a game. I look, I bought a PS4 Pro and I had it for a year. Yeah, <laughs> for a year. Then the PS5 came out. Yeah, ridiculous. Yeah, and I don't want to repeat history like that again. So yeah, mm -hmm. I'm actually glad that Xbox, at least right now, uh, verbally is saying we don't have any plans to do a mid-gen refresh. Yeah. I, it, that gives me peace of mind that I don't have to keep chasing Xbox to get the best experience. Like, I already have the console that I need with the Series X to get the best experience. With PlayStation, I feel like I'm running. I feel like I'm always yeah. running to, oh, well, oh, that's not enough anymore. Well, now I got to go get this one. And, well, oh, now the PS6 has come. Well, now I got to go get that. I feel like I'm, I can never be comfortable yeah. with the PlayStation. And it's just... Xbox gave us the... the, 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 the Xbox gave us the ability to choose the Series S 
and the Series X. PlayStation is literally taking that that decision away from us because we bought the only console they had available to buy, and they're telling us, by the way, it wasn't good enough. Here's a pro. <laughs> so you're taking that choice away from me when Xbox say, hey, you want the S, sacrifice some stuff, or you want the best with the X, and we did and we did what we wanted in that case. Mm-hmm. So yeah. we'll see what happens, man. I I, I am I, I'm I'm not looking forward to the official reveal, but there's a rumor that next month there's going to be a uh there's going to be a uh, uh a new showcase and it's going to it's going to show the the slim the PlayStation slim oh, so great I'm all right with that now you can you buy know. the slim and then after <laughs> that you can feel left yeah. out once again <laughs> because you, can buy you don't the Guy have Fieri the Pro. edition of Okay, um, don't hate on that Spider-Man product. design. That Spider-Man design. I love the control, lit. but that design looks so bad because oh. you have to really get really close to see what it is. From afar it looks like flames. <laughs> it just looks like like hot rod flames from the side. You got to get really and when you do look getting close it looks really dope, but like from afar it looks like Guy Fieri's uh button-up t-shirt. I don't know why you keep bringing up Guy Fieri. Cuz it looks exactly like who he wears. This is Pablo, man. This is Pablo right here. This is what he does. Um, All right, let's move on to hit point news item number two. Pablo, I got a question for you. Is another live service game about to bite the dust? In their latest financial report, Blizzard has admitted that Overwatch 2's engagement and player investment is on the decline. Even worse, their Overwatch League is no longer profitable and could be completely terminated soon. Still... They are hopeful that Season 6, uh, which is called Invasion, which is their largest seasonal update, uh, update to date, will be enough to draw players back in as it's adding new PvE story missions, a new game mode, a new hero progression system, and I think a new support hero as well. But as two disgruntled fans of Overwatch, how do we feel about this fall from grace? What went wrong here? And is this further proof, Pablo, that if you're not Fortnite, Warzone, Apex Legends or Rainbow Six Siege that live service games are a lost cause. What are your thoughts? I mean, live service games are hard to get into, but if you're Overwatch and Blizzard and you had one of those stalwarts in your repertoire and you decided to come, let me go ahead and change what over how Overwatch plays. Let me change the, no longer six is now five or it, like just changing a lot of core things about that game just so you can justify putting a 2 next to it, was one of the worst decisions they ever made. I love Overwatch with all my heart. Overwatch 2 was fine, and that's the problem. How do you go from 1 being a game that we we, we lauded for so long as one of the best, if not the best, multiplayer experiences that we've ever had, to now having 2 where it's just fine? That's an, that's an insane drop-off from greatest of all time to just fine, and that's supposed to be the better, next, bigger version? Look, self-inflicted wounds. They did it to themselves. They fucked with it too much. They changed too many things up, and then ultimately they just couldn't find their way back. I mean... It, they, it fell off because the game fell off. Simple as that. Maybe if they would have kept Overwatch as is, maybe this still would have happened. Maybe the shelf life for that game just is shorter than the other Fortnite and Warzone, Apex, and Rainbows of the World. However, we won't know that because they took that game from us completely. That game is no longer... You can't play Overwatch for what it is. My prediction here, Marco, is is probably this time this year, 
um, sometime this year, they'll announce that you'll get to play OG Overwatch again. Uh, all the rules, everything back later on as a mode, but really that will be the, the, the new meta going forward. I think they're going to try everything before they completely kill this off, but I wouldn't be surprised that, that if they die on this hill, and then in a year or two from now, Overwatch 2 is completely dead. So, mm. yeah, dead and I mean like off-server's dead, like you can't play Overwatch. Um, Man, you know, look, the, the question of what went wrong is so loaded because it's a litany of errors that I think really happened since the the moment this game was first in development. You lose mm-hmm. Jeff Kaplan, who was the lead for the original Overwatch, kind of the visionary for that for that whole concept of Overwatch, of the hero shooter, really. And I think from there, everything fell apart. I think that with him, there was a sense of, the, of Overwatch being handled with care. Right, just some trust. There was trust. Everything that they did felt intentional. It felt... Now, Overwatch wasn't always perfect during its heyday. It had balancing issues, just like any other game. But you always felt like there was thought and tact put into everything they did, whether it was a new hero or it was balancing changes or any little tweak that they used to make. You always had this feeling of, okay, it's probably for the best. Overwatch 2 doesn't have that same energy. It feels like the commitment to go live service meant let's just throw everything that makes live service games what they are into this pot. Let's give them a bunch of new heroes that are kind of half cooked and underdeveloped. Let's let's get let's get wild with the meta and let's make things weird and let's 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 make this game less tactful and more offensive. And, you know, all the while, the community is getting more toxic by the day. Um, Overwatch historically is well known for having a very bad community of people that are insulting, uh, harass you. Don't be a woman playing Overwatch with a microphone. Oh my God. It's, oh my a, it's God. a rat for you. So you have the community being awful. You have the development being awful. Then you have the live service thing kind of over top of all that. That's just, it, it feels scummy and it feels off. And you just have, you have this as the product. And then you start cutting content out. <laughs> you start taking the, shit the out of the game. That makes it too. You make it free to play to get the game out last year so you can start making money off the thing. But you, you're pulling things that make Overwatch 2, Overwatch 2. And so, and I told this to Pablo last year. I'm like, I mean, this doesn't really feel like much of a difference. I mean, it's just a worse version of the first game. And that's yeah. kind of what it was. So to answer the question, if you're not Fortnite, Warzone, Apex, or Rainbow, are uh, live service games a lost, a lost cause? I, as much as we you know, rag on live service games as a premise, it's not impossible to make a good one. It's just, no. it's just these companies seem to be allergic to doing things the right way. There's a reason why Fortnite is Fortnite. It wasn't by accident. They didn't slip, fall, and land in success. They had to do certain things right. When it came to compelling content, a good meta, good balancing, smart additions, you know, Warzone for all of its warts, it does have you know some 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 of the same positives. We all we we both love Rainbow. We don't need to go on about that again. Yeah. And Apex has done its thing too. It's not impossible to make a good live service game, but if you're just not hand, handling it the right way, I don't care who you are. You can be a no name game or you can be Overwatch. You will fail. And and it's sad yeah. to see that Overwatch is is on its way to being the next casualty just because of a series of, of terrible design decisions that shouldn't have happened. You had everything you needed with Overwatch One. All you had to do was build on that. 
And it was yep. like, no, that's not enough. Let's live service this thing out. And, and that's the side of Activision Blizzard that I hate. And I hope that once the deal is done with Xbox and, and you know, they, they've got them under the umbrella, we can stop seeing less of this, yeah. you know? But it's it's a shame, but this is where we're at. And, you know, that's Overwatch... Where we and, that's, and that's what sucks. It's, it's crazy how Overwatch was, a, you know, a top 10 all-timer for me. And now it's like, I mean, damn. I don't even know where to put... Yeah. I don't even know where to put this thing now because just how far the mighty have fallen, but damn shame. Rainbow's, Rainbow's eclipsed it for me. Oh, yeah. Rainbow's taking it over. Um, but... Third and final hit point news item. This will be a quick one. According to a no, uh, uh, to the, I'm Pabloing you guys right now. Oh my God, what it's happening. Uh, according to a new job listing at Arcane Austin, it sounds like the studio behind Redfall will finally be going back to their roots by working on a single player action RPG with immersive sim elements. But of course, Pablo, since the studio lost roughly 70% of its core team that worked on Prey and Dishonored, some people within the Xbox community are concerned that Arcane Austin may no longer have the chops to make immersive sims as well as they used to after driving out their best talent because of Redfall. So the question for you, Pablo, as the resident fan of Arcane, uh, is are you confident that Arcane Austin can return to form with a great single-player immersive sim again, or are their best days truly behind them? No, I'm confident that they'll be able to, to make the next great, uh, you know, sim, because immersive sim, because of the fact Sure, they had a bad go of it with Redfall. I think that, you know, the rumors about Redfall were basically they tried to make a game that would appeal uh, to buyers. That's what Bethesda wanted them to do. They got in there and then they were like, actually, we don't want to make this game, but they they were told to do it anyway. You know, I, I don't think their best days are behind them. I think that they needed every time a sports to use a sports analogy, anytime a, a player is not doing or not performing the way that they should be performing, they always use the term back to basics, going back to basics. Going, if you're a batter, going back to the original mechanic that, that you were successful at. And I think that that's what they're going to do. I think the name Arcane Studio, when it comes to immersive sims, holds uh, it's prestigious and it holds a certain weight in the community. I think people will be lining up to go work at Arcane, specifically now that it, it has money. It's backed by Xbox. And I think that they would want to be a part of the team that makes the next Prey, the next Dishonored, or the next new thing that is going to be considered among the best immersive sims uh, of the current uh, video game era. I, I just think that there, there's they have done nothing. Um, I shouldn't say that. They've I don't they've done nothing really that's going to make me feel like they can't do it. Obviously, Redfall is is, is the big thing, but there's so many circumstances surrounding that. Deathloop is is, is an interesting one because Deathloop is an, an immersive sim. It's just the style of it and the way that it was kind of put together it wasn't my thing. I think that they tried to be a little bit too complex with with the storytelling and, and all that. I think they they got a little too uh, uppity about that stuff. You know, they 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 try to do too much. So again, I just t tell them Back to basics. If you're really going to do another immersive sim in the vein of Prey or Dishonored or something similar, go back to basics. We don't need the crazy death loop story mechanic. That that You tried that. That was cool. People like that to an extent. Let's go back to that. Uh, you, right now, as a fan, I'm not going to say I'm concerned. I'm not. But I do need to see. I do need. I do need to see them going back to basics and kind of uh, of developing a game that is going to make me feel like okay, this is the arcane that I know, 
and and I feel that they could do that still. So uh, I'm not too worried about it uh, as of yet. I think that their talented studio, backed by Xbox, Bethesda is a great uh, parent company for Xbox as well. So I I, I have a lot of confidence in, in in a lot of Bethesda brands just because I'm a Bethesda fanboy. I'll say that. I'll, I'll be honest about it. Uh, and yeah, I, I'm I'm happy about this. I'm glad that they are at the very least seemingly going back to basics. So I can't wait for that. Yeah. Uh, no. Look for me. Uh, you know. Look, I've been on the show many times saying that I think Arcane's overrated. Let's, let's just call a spade a spade. I've said that. Yeah, yeah. Um, but I'm going to shoot them some bail, and here's why. Although they made a game as bad as Redfall is, which is a very bad game, here's the thing that I will say in to, to, their, to their credit. They've never made a bad immersive sim game. Right. Right? Thanks. So if you've never made a bad single-player immersive sim, and you're making a new immersive sim that is single-player, then... It stands to reason that you can get the job done and make a really good game. Um, here's the thing. It's going to come down to two different things, okay? Number one is this. You got to be... You, yeah, you lost your core talent that made those other games, but you, you, you got a talented team. You just got to lead them better. You got to give yeah. them a better vision for what you want to make because Redfall had, had troubled vision and leadership written all over it. And we've, seen, we've since heard stories that have corroborated that, right? So you've got to have a better internal vision. And then secondly, I'm just going to say it. Don't give me a new IP. It better be a Prey 2 or it better yeah, be it a Dishonored be 3. All right? You, if you really want to win back the community, stop fucking around. Stop giving me these death loops, these red falls, these new IPs, these new, you know, chic little concepts you want to keep trying out. Just make a fucking sequel to, a, to one of those two franchises that people have been begging for for years. It's, I think Dishonored 2 came out in, what, 2016? And Prey was like, so, Prey was yeah. 2017. It's been a long time since you've made a sequel. I don't think it would kill you, especially to win back the respect of the fans, to make a great Dishonored 3 or Prey 2. Do something like that. Keep it simple. Keep it back to basics to. like you said almost. Yeah, I think almost that they have to. Because at this point, if you're going to be like, hey, we're going to go ahead and do another immersive single player sim. And it's going to be like nothing you've ever seen. No, I don't. That's not what I no, want. I want to see things that I've seen before. <laughs> <laughs> we got, I got something for that on our next segment for sure. We'll, we'll talk about that. But yeah, this is, that's the way to do it in my opinion. Have a better vision and make a damn sequel. Fuck it. Just stop. This yeah. is this is dragon butt fuck. This is the game where we do a hybrid. <laughs> this a dragon butt. Fuck? This is the hybrid online game where you can invade other players. A uh, uh, stop. Just make do dragon butt fucking. Yeah. Take your fist out the ass and just make a regular game. Uh, that was gross. <laughs> now, I'll be honest with you. If the next game doesn't have dragon butt fucking, I'm gonna be pretty upset. Hey man, I said what I said. Um, you did show it and I didn't lie but some of y'all out there have been lying and that's going to lead us to the main event of the show and trust me ladies and gentlemen you want to get through this because Pablo's going to be nuts it's, yeah, called, be <laughs> it's called the checkpoint chat let's go it's time for the checkpoint chat alright ladies and gentlemen every once in a while your boys here at cool down time have to stop being nice and start getting real but why because some of y'all have been lying. <laughs> so we are officially calling your bluff by exposing the biggest lies that gamers keep telling themselves. Me and Pablo are going to go round robin to trigger our listeners 
with 10 sobering truths that you might not want to hear, but you need to hear. It might get messy, but just as an FYI, we're having fun with it. Don't take it personal. If we're talking about you, we're just keeping it real, okay? Uh, So, Pablo, you have five things we want gamers to stop lying about. I got five things. Let's get started. And I want to kick it over to you first. Tell me the thing, one thing, that you want gamers to stop lying about. Procedural generation. Listen, it has its uses. I'm not going to lie about that. Obviously, it does. But to me, it's it's design choice that helps solve a problem that is usually a budget constraint or manpower. They don't have enough people to develop a game, and so they, they develop this procedural generation in order to, to make their maps quicker and better for them, right? Games like Returnal has some of the dopest visuals of any game from recent years, but where, where it shows its budget, it's in environments. Like, you've seen the same amalgamation of level design kind of put together like Legos. Oh, oh, I've seen this before, except it was in the next room rather than, than two rooms down. I, a procedural generation isn't really, for me, a thing that... I would ever call a plus. Like I would never play a game like yeah, you got to so play this you damn think, game. It has procedural so generation. You think a lot of people are saying like it's oh it's a great it's a great choice of design. It's a great well I, that's exactly what a lot of people pra- like. For example, Remnant Two is a game that's getting a lot of praise right now, and some people are praising the fact that it is procedural generated, which is fucking insane. Like it just it doesn't make any sense. I don't want to see uh, the same kind of map layout with different color schemes on it just because you don't have enough money to make it. I get it. I get that that's a, 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 a economical choice to make in order to make your game cheaper because you don't have the budget. I get all that. But games like Starfield are going to be utilizing... Um, uh, procedural generation, but I can guarantee that the handcrafted worlds of that game are going to be way better than anything you'll see in the in the procedural generated areas. That's the point that I'm making, is that if you put your time into it, and, and if the game is a AAA game, and it's handcrafting areas, and maps, and, and, and all these things, that's great, but when you're now handcraft, or you're procedurally generating areas, maps, creatures, enemy types, you know, it, 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 there's, that can't, you can't seriously see that and think, this is it. This is why I play this game. Because it's, it's, it's the worst part of those games. Any game with procedural generation, I will say right now, is the worst part of those games. It might work for it. You know, Hades had it works for Hades, but does that mean that it's good? Does that mean that it would benefit more? No, I think it would benefit more from a finely tuned, handcrafted world each time that you play a different level. Yeah, sure. Infinite amount of levels. Okay, I get it, but it stands to reason. If you play each of those games and each of those levels are handcrafted and are beautifully put together. At that point, it just it just looks way better than anything that's ever been done in procedural generation market. It just that's just the way that it is, and there's no way around that. Yeah, there's a right way to do procedural generation and a wrong way to do it. If you keep the constraints, you know, good enough to the point where it's not getting too repetitive or too wacky, then I think it's a, yeah. it's fine. I just think that, to your point, a lot of people, you know, kind of praise procedure generation because, oh, it's endless possibilities. Oh, it keeps things fresh and interesting. You can never get, you never get settled in because it always does something new. I think that's kind of, that's kind of hot air because you yeah. look at a game like, uh, like No Man's Sky, for instance, which is really built around procedure generation in a big, big way. Um, a lot of times, man, you get to those new planets and it's like, this is fucking boring. There's nothing to do here. Everything looks derpy. 
or brown or, you know, like the wildlife. Oh, instead of, uh, you know, this weird dinosaur with a, a chicken looking head, this one has like a giraffe looking head. And it, it, instead of blue, it's pink. Yeah, yeah. And that's it. It's like color swaps or, you know, this is the grass here is orange. You know, it's it, it's like, OK, you know, this isn't really this isn't really living up to your premise very well. It's just kind of a randomizer. Let's 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 call it what it is. Procedure generation cheapens, is just a randomizer. It cheapens the game. Yeah. It cheapens the game. I would the agree. overall quality of game, it just cheapens it. Again, Returnal is the perfect example because it looks great, but then it just cheapens the entire quality of the game when you've seen that area 500 times in different color swaps in different areas with it's just it's ridiculous. Yeah. It's it's ridiculous in that people think that it's a good thing like every time they woo, pursue generation, woo. And don't get me started on roguelikes, which I always oh, have on my list. Oh my but. god. <laughs> I was going to say it, but I was going to keep it to myself cuz I was like I don't want to dig into that that hole, but like yeah. Enough. I'm sorry. Here's this one location that has the same palette, and maybe this room's going to make you turn left instead of turn right. Uh, or, you know, it, it, it's so, especially with roguelites, it's like, oh my God, man, I'm so tired of you thinking that it's cute to like put me in a new location, but it, it, doesn't, it, it doesn't do what they think it does. Even when they try to explain it away narratively, like they do in Returnal. I hate to keep bullying that game, but it's like, oh, you know, well. Well, they do it in Remnant too, as well. Yeah. There's no uh, reason why it changes. It ain't it, man. Stop. Yeah. Stop lying. Um, Stop lying. All right. Let me go. I'm coming in a little hot with my first one, but I, 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 I'm, I'm going to be honest in saying this, okay? Stop acting like PC gaming is the master race. It's not. It never was. And it never will be. I'm sorry. I am so tired of this idea that PC gaming is the be-all, end-all. Nine times out of ten, I hear more PC gamers complaining about their PC gaming experience than enjoying their experience. And nine (laughs) times out of ten, it's because you guys can't get your games to run right on your hardware. You can't do it. Oh, you know, well, I shouldn't have any problem running this game because I have the newest chip and my, my, my RAM is this and I have everything I need. And, you know, but and then you got to check your drivers and go into your like your config folders and whatever the fuck you got to do. And it's like, dude, yeah, I mean, every once in a while you benefit from being able to play a game at like, you know, look at me running this game at. I don't know, uh, 1080p at 240 frames per second. Or, hey, I'm just going to play Starfield on PC because I can play it at 60 frames. Like, yeah, you get those benefits sometimes, but when you balance out those benefits with the burden that you deal with, playing games that are not very well optimized for PC gaming in the first place, that crash your, 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 your PC or that just don't run right, or you're in settings hell forever, picking whether you want low shadow quality or medium shadow. Like it, it, it's, it's the, the reason why a lot of people like PC gaming, in my opinion, is because you can kind of build, you can build your own rig. It's almost like, it's like what Android is to, to Apple in a sense of like, it's a little bit more customizable. You can kind of build sure. it your way. Um, and I think people like being ha- prioritize what you right, like. having more control over what matters most to you. Right. And I get that, but you guys whine on Twitter, on Reddit, on message boards all the time about, Oh my God, I can't, what do I do? And part of the problem is that PC gaming, when it comes to like specs and stuff like that, n- nothing is standardized. 
So when developers are making games that come out on PC, they almost have to solve for an endless array of variables because everybody's rig is a little bit different than the other person. So it's not as easy as console games where it's just, listen, here's the PS5's hardware capabilities. Let's make it for that. Let's make it work there. I think that the convenience factor of console gaming at this point in in gaming has completely superseded the benefits you get from PC gaming. You know, yeah, you yep. might get your game to, to run a little bit smoother sometimes, but you struggle way more than I do. When I when I buy a game for my uh, Series X, I never have to worry about can can my setup run this game. I never have to worry about that. You know what else I don't have to worry about? Cheaters, hackers, yep. people that go in and actively ruin uh, all these multiplayer games that you guys love and want to play. Um, I, I never have to worry about you know. Anyone uh, using aimbots and things like that. So, I mean, to me, I, what I, I'm not saying that PC gaming sucks. I'm saying that it's no better or no worse than console gaming. It's just a different list of pros and cons, honestly. Yeah. So, th- this elitism that, oh, PC gaming, because I save more money on Steam. Yeah, okay, cool. But <laughs> you're fighting with most of your games more than you're enjoying them, nine times out of ten. So Absolutely. I, I, I don't buy that it's the master race. I, I, I think it's a viable option to play games that works for certain people, but comes with just as many caveats and downsides as console gaming does. Relax. I, honestly, the caveats and, and, and all that downsides of console gaming are pretty much consistent throughout with uh, PC, you'll get different ones depending on how your fucking computer feels. All you got to do is plug in your damn console. You're ready to go. You're not. Pro- you're probably not going to get 60 frames, 4K all the time, sure. Right. And you might get that on the PC, but I don't got to worry about is my game going to work today because I forgot to update a driver or my <laughs> audio files are off or I accidentally er- erase something that makes my game... Uh, it, so, or if I hit a button, it's going to... Uh, so much shit. Jesus. Anyway. Yeah. Um, let, let's move on yeah. here, Marco. My number two... Is stop lying on Call of Duty and pretending its death is imminent. It's been the biggest game every year for the past decade and a half. Look, every year, Twitter uh, uh, prognosticators come on (laughs) and they claim Call of Duty is dead or it's dying. Shut your ass up. (laughs) Just shut the (laughs) shut it up. It's been the biggest game for the last fifteen years. It's console sell. It's it's console selling software. Like people, I know people, and you know people, Marco, and we all know people who literally own a console just to play Call of Duty. It sold over half a billion in units, five hundred million units. It it trails only Tetris, Mario, and Pokemon in all time leading best selling franchises. Good lord! It's top three best selling games since the early two thousands. Warzone has a revenue of 30 billion dollars something like Are you kidding me the call of duty ain't dead stop lying you damn fucking liar that's the most ridiculous one i ever hear people just want to shit on that game because it is the biggest game and it might not be your cup of tea i understand that but don't don't sit here and be like this is a year where it's it's not gonna do well it does well and when it doesn't do well it's still top three. Like, come on, guys. Let that lie go. I see this every year. I, I even know people who say this. Call of Duty is not what it used to be. It doesn't Just Google it. Look it up. Let's stop pretending. Stop making shit up, pulling uh, facts out of thin air. Uh, you're, you're lying. You're a liar. Stop lying. Yeah, I mean, especially with Warzone being out right now. Like, what? what yeah. How much more successful can you be when you're raking in 30 bill? 
Like that's that's a, that's <laughs> nuts to me. Like, oh, you, look, I can understand if you're saying that, like, oh, the quality of Call of Duty games have um, gone down and down and down over time. Okay, that that's we can have more of a debate about that. But if you're yeah, sitting, I don't here, agree about that either. But it's definitely debatable. But if you're sitting here talking about like the pure success of Call of Duty, it's not. I mean, if if this ABK fiasco has taught you anything, it is that Call of Duty is a big big deal. And when Call Huge of Duty deal. comes around, people run. It, it just is what it is. Even though the game comes out with something new every year or so, it doesn't matter. Call of Duty hits every single time. There's Modern Warfare 3 coming out later this year. You're, are you trying to tell me that this is the beginning of the end? <laughs> I mean, I, I, it, the, the, it's, it's completely unfounded, and you're right. It, it needs to get called out because it's a stale argument. Call of Duty is going nowhere fast uh, other than probably even more successful uh, than, than, than yeah. what it's even been in, in, in previous years. It's not going yeah, anywhere. Okay. I've seen people be like, oh, shit, uh, this Call of Duty only sold 25 million units. Huh? Oh, man. Cause, cause Bummer. Because uh, it sold 27 <laughs> the year before. Yeah. It's dying. Get out of here. These people are crazy. Here's another thing y'all are crazy about. Here's my second one, Pablo. Stop acting like y'all are sick of remakes and sequels. <laughs> Most of you hope for remakes. Most of you beg for sequels. And most of you ignore new IPs just like everyone else. Your, cri- I'm guilty, bro. your cries for originality are lies for originality. You understand <laughs> I'm what I'm guilty, saying? Man. You calling me out? I uh, this is and, and yeah, some of this is actually you know for one one or two of these is for me, uh, you know. Yeah. But this is one that I I'm gonna I'm gonna fall on the sword for as well, and I hope some of you are too. It I think the cool thing to say is we need more original ideas in the gaming space. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We get them all the time, ladies and gentlemen. We do. And you know you know what most of us do? We gloss right past them bitches. Because yep. a sequel will come out that we've been dying for. Um, who? What Alan Wake fan wasn't excited when they found out Alan Wake 2 was getting announced? Yeah, yeah. Seriously. Like, did, did any yeah. of you go, oh, man, I'm, I kind of wish they did something new. No, you were happy that they made an Alan Wake 2 announcement, right? So stop it. And as far as remakes go, you guys are, oh my God, all I do is make remakes now. It's just remakes, remakes. No one does anything original anymore. Yet a lot of you have a wish list of games that you hope will get a remake someday. That you would pop hard. Oh my God. Instant boner as soon as they get announced. And so you got to stop. We, we, we got to stop. We're adding ourselves into this pile. We've got to stop pretending like... We don't want these kinds of games. This industry, you know, we vilify this industry a lot. Oh, they're just after our money. Easy. Oh, they just want to admit, you know, they are making exactly what we they know we're going to buy. Do you think they don't yeah. have analytics and data that's, that, that points to remakes and sequels being the best business option for them because they know we come and buy them? They know us. So we can't sit here and try to deny what our taste and preferences really are you know it's can't it it's crazy because as a game as as a video game fan and i'm sure other people can relate you know how many times i've said to myself if only this game was on a 
Xbox oh, yeah. 360. Like, like I've said that many times about um, about a Metal Gear uh, MGS One on PlayStation. Oh, if only this was on PlayStation Three. Oh, if only it was on PlayStation Four. Like every generation, I'm like, if only this game was on this. It, we we all want we nostalgia is heavy. We'll talk about nostalgia in a little bit as well. Mm-hmm. But nostalgia is heavy drug. And, and 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 to say that we don't, we might not want that remake, but we want remakes. Yeah. That's I know Pablo yeah. wants all them damn Zeldas on the Switch. Uh, every every damn every damn direct. We still get it. Wind Waker. We're still getting them this year. We're getting them this yeah, year. Okay. Get them. Okay. <laughs> getting them this year. <laughs> well, sp- <laughs> speaking of Nintendo, uh, your next hey, one. Man, listen, we're gonna fight. Uh, uh, first of all, I want to preface before I say this one that uh, I, I respect uh, my friends. I think you guys are great. Yeah, no love. Please don't come at me, but I got facts to back up my claim. So please bear with me. I want you guys to stop lying about the Metroid series being an essential Nintendo IP. It's not. It sells poorly. It's a series filled with mid-tier games at best. Now, Metroid games are fine games. And there's some even games on there that are great games. But we have to stop pretending that Metroid franchises is on the same level as a Zelda or a Pokemon or a Mario. It's not even a top Nintendo franchise, it, it, it like it's not even top ten. If if really if you look at it, it, it you got games like uh, Duck Hunt, Splatoon, Luigi's Mansion, Wario games, Brain Age, Game and Watch. Those are all sell better than, than than Metroid. Those are all games that have better ratings overall than Metroid. Metroid right now sells sells wise sits at seventeenth in overall uh sales for uh, Nintendo IPs. The fact that people every time like oh I, Metroid deserves better. Metroid deserves better. It's up to you guys. You guys aren't buying that shit. Like I I'm so sick of people talking about Metroid like it is like it's like a game that is right up there with Zelda or Mario. It, that's such a ridiculous uh, sentiment because it's not. Maybe it is to you in terms of like how you feel about the game, but in terms of the actual facts of it, it's not even a top ten game. It's not even a top ten selling game. It can't even beat Duck Hunt, which hasn't released a game, a game in like thirty years. Like we're we're we're. It's just not a top elite series that's the reason why games like uh come and go like metroid prime dread came out and people swore they love it you guys lied about that and then didn't buy it didn't buy that shit and nobody talks about that game nobody talks about that game when they talk about the best nintendo switch games all days in day uh, day out here uh, the top 10 uh, see videos about the top 10 switch games nobody ever mentions dread i i, I mean you could have swore that game was like uh, it was gonna be like one of the best games of the year uh, and I'm picking a little bit on Dread because it's again it's hard to pick out a, a Metroid game because they don't release them because they don't sell. And then you know you got the Primes, which people love the Primes. They also didn't sell well. Um, those are a little bit probably those are probably games that are I think if you get four I think we'll probably get the the, the first time that a, that a Metroid game is is considered to be a top seller. But as it stands today. It's not a top-selling game, and it's not an essential uh, Nintendo IP. Nintendo's been nice to you guys, giving you all these mid-tier Metroid games, but it's not an essential IP. Metroid could go away tomorrow, and nothing will happen to Nintendo. Absolutely nothing. They'll suffer more if they lost fucking Splatoon. If they lost Duck Hunt for some reason, they can't find the code. That that would hurt them more than if they lost Metroid. I, I digress. I I don't wanna I don't wanna navigate in hyperbole anymore. But that's 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 the facts, man. Marco. See, the thing about friendship that always <laughs> strikes me as crazy is like how your longtime friends do do you the dirtiest, man. And and you know, look, we're hiring at cool down time. 
Uh, we're looking for talent. <laughs> if you have anything going for you, don't worry, Met- for Metroid, Metroid fans. Don't worry. Metroid, don't worry about this. I, I, I'm, I'm here to be your voice. Here's reality, right? You're right in that Metroid sells poorly. It does. It, let's not make any bones about that. It is not a high-selling franchise. I don't know if I like taking that out on Metroid because Metroid is a is an anomaly of a game in in contrast to these very mascot driven franchises that Nintendo has elsewhere with Mario, with Zelda, with Kirby and so on and so forth. It stands to reason that it's not really for the the casual Nintendo audience. And I think it's perfectly okay for Metroid to still be supported and still be made despite not being what the core Nintendo casual audience uh, wants or plays. We got to understand that sales in the context of, of Nintendo Switch, this is one example, is a weird one because... A lot of kids on that console. Ain't none of them going to play no Metroid. Metroid is clearly a franchise for an older crowd. And I think its sales do reflect that, you know, it's a very niche crowd of people that have a certain, you know, history with Nintendo that understand and appreciate what Metroid is. So I think in in a way it's a bit skewed in that sense. Now, here's the thing about mid-tier. That's where I want to clap back the hardest because I think Metroid Listen, they call the genre Metroidvania for a reason. I don't think you call the genre Metroidvania because you are filled with mid-tier games at best. I think you are the best of a genre. Uh, if that's what you... It, it, we don't call games Souls-like because Souls games sucked, right? Yeah, but Souls games are super niche and they sell better than That's Metroid. fine, but sales don't determine quality either so when we say yeah, mid-tier that, what that is because it's such a niche game that it doesn't sell as well i'm telling you it doesn't get more than niche than, than dark souls and it sells way i don't know than if dark souls is niche i think it has become quite the phenomenon it's very popular recently yeah i mean it's been it's it's been more than recent i mean so to me i think mid-tier is my is my biggest gripe because I don't love Dread, but I like Dread. I would, if you want to call that one mid, okay, fine. But I think the Prime series to me is uh, a classic. I think Super Metroid was a classic. I think some of those handheld games were very, very well done as well. I, I don't, I don't go mid tier in terms of the game's quality. I can, I can see yeah, it the sales really wise, talking. but not, not, not quality wise. Reviews aren't everything, but I'm not really necessarily talking on my ass. I mean, like I looked that up. Federation, Metroid Prime Hunters. Other M, Pinball, we're not going to count that. Uh, Return of Samus, all these games got pretty mid uh, reviews. And you got you got Samus Returns on 3DS. You got, oh, Corruption was not reviewed that well. But, I mean, I, all I'm saying is when you compare them, and my only argument here is when you compare them to the Zeldas and the Marios, those games that people try to talk about Metroid in the same sentence as those games, that's not even, that's not even close. It's not even true. And yes, Zelda and Mario are a little bit more open to, uh, like, they're more for casuals. When those games first came out, like, they weren't, you know, they were new and they were niche and they inspired a whole generation of, of, of games, a whole uh, litany within the franchise. Metroid struggled, always struggled out the gate. So I'm just saying, not saying, you know, I'm, I, again, I said I don't want to navigate too much in hyperbole. I'm not saying Metroid is terrible or bad. I'm just saying it has a lot game, a lot of games that weren't necessarily great. There's not Mario. There's most, I would say most Mario games are 
pretty amazing. Most Zelda games, if not all, are pretty incredible. Uh, and Metroid has a little bit of gaps here and there. And then the sales part of it. I mean, it's a, it's a lot of reasons I, I would say that Metroid isn't in the same tier. And I and I think I think you would agree. I don't Zelda, Mario, and you know th- those are not the same as Metroid. The, those two, those three things are not I- within the same conversation. They're just not for for many reasons. Uh, submit your applications to pabloainshit at gmail.com and we will get back to you within three to five business days. Let's go <laughs> Let's go ahead and move on to my next thing. People need to stop lying about. This one I've been waiting to talk about. People are going to be like, why are you making such a big deal out of this? But I'm just going to say it anyway. Stop acting like y'all love environmental puzzles so damn much. All right? You really don't. I have, Pablo, I've never heard one person ever say, ooh, I can't wait to solve some environmental puzzles <laughs> about a game. I've never heard... When a new game is about to come out, I've never heard people say, oh, I'm really looking forward to seeing how those environmental puzzles come together. When I hear yeah, people talk out. about games like God of War Ragnarok, I hear all about all kinds of other things. I ain't heard one person say, you know what I really loved <laughs> about that game? On some real shit. That, man, those environmental puzzles when the door was locked, when I had to throw the axe on the water, bro. Woo, that was fire. No one does that. Because to me, yeah. I, think, I think environmental puzzles are pace-killing padding, period. Yeah. I do not subscribe to this idea that they have become a great aspect of games. I think that they have become filler content nine times out of ten. Sometimes they can be done well. I'm not saying it's impossible. I'm saying that they're, they're used in a way now to prolong and extend games almost past the point of being like re- like true to the premise like i if i uh, if i'm the god of war if i'm kratos and i'm sitting here worried about opening a damn door by having somebody shoot some purple arrows in a, in a in a row and then let's detonate them all together so that this opens up the latch that lets this come down and then we got to shoot the, the the axe at the waterfall to stop it and then now now I can jump over here and then go to another locked door Star Wars Jedi Fallen Order and, and and Jedi Survivor same deal I am a Jedi why am I sitting here worried about a purple laser beam for 3 hours I just want to be a Jedi, man. And it feels like these games, again, they just feel like they, they, they're designed in a way where it feels like they're paranoid about, oh, we don't have enough content. We don't want these guys to finish this game too fast because then they'll complain about value uh, for, for a full price game. So let's slow it down and let's start. Let's not let them walk right through that door. Let's make them stop and figure out a way to move this block over to this, uh, you know, weighted little thing on the ground that opens the door you go in there and then you got a wall run and climb and then solve a riddle and fucking rhyme just to get through the next area like to me that stuff is just a waste of design make more moments in this game instead of making more environmental puzzles to to smoke screen your lack of content it always takes you out of it because you're like who the fuck made these contraptions they're not even realistic They're not even like yeah. realistic. Like, oh, like, oh, I can see myself running into a problem like this. 
<laughs> it's so it, it, you it's like some water with your the axe. only person who can solve it is Kratos because you have to have a Leviathan axe that's that, that specifically has the thing you're supposed to throw the axe on that makes the the you know it spins around and yeah, then it yeah, opens yeah. the door up like the entire contraption and survive and the world around it is dilapidated except the point in which you have to press to get <laughs> that thing to rotate like Duh. what it, makes, you should have made the whole damn so, thing with that material. yeah so just stop acting like environmental puzzles are cool they're not they're boring you guys know it deep down and 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 stop getting mad at me for calling out games like god of war ragnarok and and jedi survivor because yeah. of using them so damn much stop it it's true all right you're up next. i'm lying all right guys stop pretending that xbox buying up studios is a unique approach to obtaining first party game studios they took a page right out of sony's playbook i hear this all the time oh they're not like playstation they 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 basically playstation made all their studios and look guys ben studios days gone dev acquired in 2000 blue point the kings of remix acquired in 2021 guerrilla games creators of marco's precious horizon series acquired <laughs> in 20 2005 Nasty. insomniac games considered i consider the best development team in the world most recently with the spider-man games acquired in 2019 naughty dog acquired in 2001 sucker punch acquired in 2011 out of 22 studios currently on their roster only six were created in-house like the notion that xbox is buying up studios is correct because they are, because that's the way you acquire studios. Sure, you can make in-game, in, in in-house studios, and, and they can end up making, like, Sony, Sony Santa Monica making some of your best games. Sure, I get that. And, I you know, Xbox has some of those. But the fact that everybody's talking about Xbox like they're doing something unique and different, they might be doing it to the scale with Activision purchase that nobody's ever done before. I, I give you that. But the fact that they've bought other studios and people are, are fucking Bethesda. Oh my God. This, that happens all the time. This is literally how a lot of these companies, development companies, they literally do that on purpose. They create their company and then they want to sell them off. It's what they do. It's literally their, their business plan. Uh, so ultimately for me, this whole notion that Xbox is doing something that is absolutely shouldn't be allowed to do in any way, shape or form is bullshit because it's already been done it's been done by playstation to the point where like i said out of 22 studios only six are original and more than six about five of those are like little uh are support studios so not none no big studios there either so yeah stop lying about that that that's some bullshit yeah i mean people people tend to want to gatekeep how these companies conduct business and you know, yeah. justify one company's way of doing it and then shun the other company's way of doing it. And let's just call a spade a spade. A lot of it, a lot of that is just fanboy bias at play. You know, if you're a Sony fanboy, you know, oh, well, the way that Xbox is doing things is really, we've never seen it that that way before and it's never been this bad. You know, like a lot of gloom and doom about this. And, and, and to your point, I think it's just, it's a reality of conducting business. And even outside of gaming, like we see this happen all the time with, you know, Disney buying up the rights to, you know, Star Wars and Marvel, you know, like this is just how it goes, man. Consolidation does come with some concerns and we get that, but let's not sit here and ostracize one company's way of doing it and then champion the other company's way of doing it as if they're totally different approaches. They're they're really one and the same. Um, It's just... Xbox has different needs than PlayStation does. I don't think... And also, it's been an accelerated process because Xbox has been around so... It's right. newer. It's a way newer product than PlayStation. Right. You know? You gotta catch so up somehow. It's, 
Yeah. 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 You can't just do everything homegrown and organically. You'll be out of the business. Anyone can tell you that. Yeah. So yeah, I, I totally agree. Speaking of out of the business, this one's going to trigger some of you with my next one that you got to stop lying about, guys. Stop acting like the Sega Dreamcast didn't get a fair shake. It failed for a reason. Its games couldn't hang. Its tech was middling at best. And Sega's leadership was too clueless to compete with Nintendo and PlayStation. Let it go. Oh my gosh. I'm sorry. I mean, I, I hear people talk so romantically about the Sega Dreamcast era. And I'm not here to tell you that you didn't have a good time with your console. Of course you did. I'm sure you loved the Dreamcast. That's why we still hear people talk about it to this day. And I'm glad, as a former Sega fan myself, that there's a Sega console that happened to come out that left you with so many fond memories. But this idea that the the Dreamcast got screwed or that it didn't deserve to die the way that it died, I think is really unfounded because when you look at the software, outside of the 2K series and of course Sonic, I think a lot of the other games in the in the Dreamcast catalog, while cool, weren't enough to compete with what Nintendo was doing or what PlayStation was doing at the time. It just wasn't. I mean, Crazy Taxi was fun. I love Jet Set Radio Future. You know, games like Power Stone, those deep cuts like that. Fun games, but you can't build a sustainable model for yourself with franchises like those when you're competing against PlayStation, which was ramping up at the time, getting ready to launch the PS2, which took the world by storm, as we all know, as history showed us, and Nintendo doing what Nintendo did with the N64, transitioning into the GameCube. You can't come at us with no damn crazy taxi against those two companies. Look, you can't. Yeah, look, look I, the game that... <laughs> The Dreamcast didn't get a fair shake because of the absolute idiocy of Sega releasing. Well, that's a my console other thing I was going to get into, but yeah, yeah, that were a little better. That they were much better than the N sixty four, but they weren't going to come close to the other consoles that were coming out. Not even a year after, like they fucked that on their own. So it didn't get a fair shake because they released it like three years too late. Like it's it, it, incompetence sorry well, to take no, your but point that, away, but yeah that was but yeah point. i mean and I'll, I'll go there next real quick because i think when when we talk about sega right and, and you're listening to a sega fan by the way just in case you're not clear you can't sit here and tell me that you're the you're the same company that released the 32x the the saturn the 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 fucking sega cd it, I mean, uh, everything post Sega Genesis to me, and maybe Game Gear if you're if you're niche enough, I think was a was a categorical flop for Sega. So what was it about their trajectory as a business of uh, of as a console manufacturer that made <laughs> you that made you feel confident in what they can do? So like the Dreamcast, a good point. they were already misled for many many years before that, and they they came out of the gate just as spun around and unclear on how to handle their competition as as ever and then when we get to the tech right to me the tech was the hardware specs you know it, it the games looked good for their time but let's not sit here and fool ourselves like the playstation 2's you know hardware kind of made the dreamcasts look a little shoddy in comparison and it, and it didn't take long for the Dreamcast hardware to be to become basically outdated and obsolete. 
So they just didn't have enough there. It was almost like a stopgap between, let's say, the PS1 type of graphics and PS2 type of graphics. Dreamcast was kind of right in that middle zone. And that's just not going to be enough, especially when you're adding on the the software being kind of medi- uh, mediocre to uninteresting. Like, I mean, I'm sorry, guys. Yeah, yeah. Shenmue ain't it. You know, like, Hell I, I don't care. Yeah. So between the company's business practices, between the games just not having enough, like, oomph to them to compete, and the, the hardware, I just don't think that this idea that Sega got a bad rap or a bad deal, a raw deal, is, 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 is realistic. I think it deserved to yeah. die. And the switch and the switches is, is a perfect example. If you can release a console that on day release is basically tech wise behind the eight ball, but if you have the software, you can maintain that. And they didn't have any of those things going for it. I loved my Dreamcast. I bought it for ninety nine dollars and played all the cool games for it. And then like two, a year and a half later, I was done yeah. with it. So like it because it it just. It, it was it was a stopgap console, and they marketed it like a console that was going to take over the generation of video games, and it just wasn't doing it. It's two years too late, and then, you know, they didn't have anything else left in the tank, and they had to, unfortunately, that was the death of Sega as a mm-hmm. console manufacturer, but like you said, it wasn't because of Dreamcast, it was because of everything before it, and Dreamcast was just a nail on that coffin. Right, so. right. Yep. All right. What do you got? Guys, this um, is the last one, Pablo. Make it count. Yeah. Y'all have to stop pretending that nostalgia isn't a driving force behind some of your game opinions. No. F-Zero and, and, and fucking uh, Banjo-Kazooie, <laughs> Spiral the Dragon, dumb shits don't hold up. They are conceptually flawed games. You don't actually want those games back. You just think you do. You just you can't decipher between what you played as a fucking child and what this game is going. I've seen people just going all out and be like chastising Xbox. Bring back Banjo. Don't do that. Don't bring back Banjo. <laughs> Banjo's not good. It was a it was a copycat of Mario sixty four. Said don't do that. <laughs> time that it released it was fine it was it was a good game but i i there's no there's no way that you're gonna tell me that a new spiral the dragon has come out and i'm supposed to get excited for that game that i played at a sears demo kiosk for like two years but the the fact remains that these games just were okay for their time to begin with and they don't translate well over now that's why there is no f-zero in the last couple that's why people in nintendo people who who would love to that love to print money and make money are telling us they're not going to make f-zero because they're not going to waste their time on this game because it makes no money for them ultimately for me i a lot of people want to pretend that no it's not nostalgia it's not because i feel nostalgic about it yes it is the reason we still play video games is because i still play games in my 30s is because of, of, of memories course. and the of reasons course. all that became uh, to me as a child like as I playing my Nintendo 64 playing my SNES playing my NES that's the reason why I still game today so let's 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 start to separate games that have learned to adapt to the times Mario Zelda games those games have learned how to adapt and have become modern games modern classics that have classic games in the past and let's start let's let's go of the banjos and the F-Zeros and the Spire of the Dragons and and even the siphon filters of the world where those games at the time were good but at this time the only way that a F-Zero game, Spire of the Dragon, F-Zero, or a Banjo comes out if they do what Prey did, which they just use the name and it's a complete different other fucking game. <laughs> you want to do that? That's fine. <laughs> if you want, if that's how you want to do it? Okay. But let's not pretend that we're going to sit here and be like, yes! F-Zero! New game coming out. Look, Star Fox. I love Star Fox. And I think there's some room for Star Fox to be a little relevant now, but Star Fox had a brand new game a couple of years ago that completely bombed because they didn't do much to change the, the concepts and it didn't fit what, what games are today. 
and that's the problem here. We're, we're, we're too much in the nostalgia part of it. You know, some games, we'll go back to the remake stuff. There are some games that deserve a remake. Those games are, 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 are going to get them. I'm sure there's going to get some games that don't deserve a remake. But ultimately, for me, let's stop pretending that nostalgia isn't the driving factor in, in most of these decisions and horrible opinions that you fuckers have. <laughs> stop fuckers. lying. Listen, um, not everything from the past belongs in the present. It's not a hard mm-hmm. concept. But I, I do agree in principle. Now, of course, you know, it, there, there's some facetiousness here, uh, of course. You know, some franchise. No. Yeah, there you go. Look, I agree in, in principle because it, it kind of ladders back to what I said about stop acting like you're sick of remakes and sequels. Yeah. You guys keep asking for originality, yet you want these companies to go also and dig down way back through their history and pull out these 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 old defunct franchises out of the grave and remake them again. It's just not realistic with some of these franchises. They belong in the past. They served their purpose and they're done. Look, a lot of people want a new Sly Cooper, right? Let's 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 pick a franchise that, you know, most people look at really really favorably and go that one. You know, if we could all pick one, you know, that's that's one a lot of people would choose. I hate to say it, but it served its purpose as a franchise. Why are you trying to hurt me? See, Why? there it is. Why are you trying it, to it, but it affects again, everybody. But I'm not a guy. But that goes back to five, where I'm not pretending that nostalgia isn't the driving factor as to why I want a Sly Cooper. Sly Cooper probably wouldn't work yeah. in 2023. But I still and a want lot it, of the times, I mean? look, the most of the games you want back to the F zero point, most of those franchises you want back are not going to sell. Not in this era. No. Are you kidding me? You're going to make an F-Zero game when you've got Mario Kart 8 Deluxe with more tracks? Oh, decisions, decisions. What would I buy? I mean, like... Shit, I really... Look at Wipeout. Wipeout's a better version of that. Yeah, and look, and even I don't say, we need to bring back Wipeout on PlayStation. You know, of course, would I I love that? Uh, I, I would, but I also understand it's not... That's not where gaming is right now. And it's not... Bringing that franchise back in 2023 just would not make sense at all for as much as i roast so, sony for like the live service thing i also understand like i can't sit here and wonder what where's jack and daxter in the past where it belongs man i'm sorry but look <laughs> and there's examples of that remember that medieval game on playstation one Me- medieval medieval yeah with the you play little skeleton sir skeleton whatever they did a remake of that nobody, nobody showed up about that Amplitude, which is a great music game, had another uh, resurgence that came out a couple of years ago. Nobody gave a fuck about that. I didn't that. even care. I did. I and like I, it, Amplitude. And he was a huge Amplitude It's like fan. my like in my top fifteen all time. <laughs> yeah, Amplitude. I love Amplitude. But when you when you're releasing a game like that post rock band and all the, it, it just makes a little less sense you know and when medieval or so much better mascot oh. 3d and like ratchet and clank is still relevant like there's so many of those out there that nostalgia isn't going to fix the fact that those games are conceptually flawed and will not work yeah now. they so, served their yeah. purpose they they gave us great experiences but leave it alone Leave, leave, leave it leave be alone. leave it be especially if you want original ideas as much as y'all say i'll do air quotes all right my fifth and final one, and I know Pablo's going to have a lot to say here because it's been on his mind too. Stop acting like it's crazy to dislike a game that, high, that has a high Metacritic score. And while we're at it, let's do it the other way around. Also, stop acting like it's crazy to like a game that has a low Metacritic score. 
just because review scores color your judgment does not mean they have to color ours. And this is a big deal because a lot of people in this era have become infatuated with scores. You know, what did it get on Open Critic? What did it get on Metacritic? Do me and Pablo check on that sometimes and see where things are at? Just, you know, because we, we, we do little predictions about, you know, scores like that. So we check in, but it's never supposed yep. to be the thing that tells you whether it's a good game or not. Because each of you have your own tastes and preferences and subjective uh, opinions about games. So it's crazy to me, if anything, that people get so weird at, about you not liking a game that has an 89 on Metacritic. Like, some people murdered me for what I said about God of War Ragnarok last year. And I stand by every syllable of what I said about that game because I don't believe that the Metacritic score... S- said everything that needs to be said about that game. And what's weird is when you try to have discourse with people about that kind of thing, most of the responses are like, man, you're crazy for that. Man, you're wild, bro. Yeah. And you don't really come back with anything that like is that, that provides substance or context for why you feel like my opinion is wrong. Like, I, I'll be honest, like I think Exoprimal does not deserve to be a 66 on Open Critic. But if I had listened to what most people said, especially when Twitter decided that this is the next game we're all going to make fun of, I would have never tried it. But I, I'll tell you right now, I don't think that game deserves to be that low. I think it's a pretty damn good game. It's just that I think people have a hard time thinking for themselves in this era. And a lot of times people just go with what reviews say. They read a bunch of reviews. They absorb what everybody says online. And then they try to make that their own opinion somehow. And they start like reciting what reviews are saying almost verbatim as if it's their own opinion. Like it, I just see people leaning way too heavily on what review scores are telling and not enough of just what your own experience is. So it's You're not right, bad yeah. to say that, hey, I don't think Diablo 4 is all that great. Oh, well, it's got an 89. What's wrong with you? Nothing. <laughs> it's just that I don't think it's as good the, as y'all say. So relax. The thing I hate the most is when I say something like that and they go, oh, you just don't get it. Oh, yeah. It's very dismissive oh. reactions to it. You, you can have, like, look, I've we've gone on this show and you've had uh, pages of notes about games. I've had pages of notes about games where I'll walk you through every reason why I think. When I talked about Jedi Survivor last week, I have almost four pages of notes about that game. And most people will hear all of those points and go, man, you crazy. Oh, man, you just don't, yeah. you don't, you don't get it. You don't, It's like, stop being dismissive, bro. Like, ultimately, people are going to like what they like and dislike what they dislike. But review scores on Metacritic are not the be-all, end-all for me. And they shouldn't be for you either. No. And, and unfortunately, they do influence a lot of people when it comes to purchasing or, uh, you know, Twitter is Twitter. So they have people who form full-fledged opinions without playing the game. Yeah. You know? And so so there's that uh, to that as well. But, yeah, I agree with you, man. It, it's, it's, it's always the thing where it's like, oh, man, this is a great game based on Metacritic. And then I play it, and it's like, oh, this game actually is not good. Like, oh, I, I know we've bashed Final Fantasy 16 enough, but that's the main example that I've had recently where I really don't like Final, F- Final Fantasy 16. It went from being, yeah, it's not really great to, like, I think, I, I think that game for me is actively bad in the things that it's trying to do. And, you know, people point out, but did you play this 
this boss fight. Yeah, I did. What? Uh, that was incredible. How did you not like that? I thought it was flame. I honestly, it's a, I can't even form my own opinions based on my experience with the game because Metacritic is their backing. Well, Open Critic has it at eighty-eight or eighty-nine. It's like, all right. Well, I mean, okay. Like, what do you? Well, how? What are you gonna say to that? And it's mm-hmm. like one of those things where it sucks because you are only going to judge a game, you're going to judge anything in life based on your experience with it, you know? You go to In-N-Out Burger and you have a horrible meal and your opinion of In-N-Out Burger is that it's trash and everybody's going to be like, In-N-Out Burger's amazing! It's all based on experience, regardless of what a five-star restaurant shows or what an 89 uh, 89, uh, score is on on Open Critic. It's your experience based on that. People should start understanding that, that it's based on that alone and nothing having to do with with people who get paid to review games have to say because they are also talking about their experience yeah so yeah a lot of it is just ultimately going to come down to people needing to remember that um your experience are going to be different than mine and you can't have this how dare you attitude how dare you think that a game is better or worse than i say it is like and then try to point at a bunch of review scores as like your proof like those are f- yep. th- that's those are the facts about the game. Well, you know, well if you don't like Diablo Four, there's something Somebody wrong with you opinion. because everybody else is saying it's great. I don't give a flying, soaring, swimming fuck what <laughs> all those people think. My experience is what matters, and I don't need somebody to tell me what my food tastes like. I know what yeah. I like. I know what I don't, and I we we do a podcast every week with notes that talk about our experiences. If you want to sit here and say, hey, I just feel different about you know the game than you do, but I respect your opinion, then great. But to sit there and hear, listen, there are some objective problems with this game because it does this, this, and that. And then y'all go, man, that's man, you crazy, man. Uh, man, you don't know what you're talking about. Oh, uh, you're just trolling. Oh, you're just an X-Bot. Oh, you're just a Sony pony. Like those dismissive assumptions because, oh my God, I didn't like Redfall, so I must be a pony, yeah. you know? Yeah, on Twitter, uh, I've been called the X-Bot and a Sony Pony, uh, like, in the same oh, yeah. day. So. Yeah, yeah, and I, I think a lot of pundits are, are dealing with that, too. It's like, oh, my God, oh, God forbid I didn't, you know, say something that all of you agree with, you know, but... But it is, it's crazy to me to be like, this is my opinion about the game, and somebody was like, well, this is why you're wrong, because of somebody else's opinion about the game? <laughs> like, what are we talking yeah. about? That's crazy. Uh, yeah, well, IGN is better than you. Uh, okay, cool. That's great. <laughs> Um, but yeah, uh, those are the things that we think gamers need to stop lying about. Uh, depending on how this goes over with y'all, we might do a part two of this sometime soon. We're doing a part two. Of We're this. doing a part two. <laughs> I know Pablo probably had about 20 of these on the cutting room floor. Uh, I had a lot of them as well. And, and yeah. honestly, it was hard to narrow it down to five, to be honest with you. But we will we will revisit so this if, uh, if, if we're so inclined one of these days. And uh, hopefully you enjoyed that. And again, don't take it personal. We're not trying to attack any of you. Some of these probably triggered a few of you. But look, we're just we're just calling it what like it is. Uh, but hopefully you enjoyed that. And hopefully you enjoyed this week's episode. If you did. Don't forget to subscribe to us and follow us on Instagram, Twitter, or X, or whatever the hell it's called. X going to give it to you. Uh, threads, <laughs> something like that. Just follow us at It's Cooldown Time, and we will be glad for it. Uh, until next time, we'll see you next week, and thanks for listening. Make me feel good.